We both facilitate. This isn't either one of our shows. That's true. I'm not claiming Chris helps me and I help him. So <laughs> I do not claim responsibility for this show. <laughs> we are live. <laughs> Go ahead, Dusty. Introduce everybody. Ha! Huh? <laughs> Wait, I thought it was your show. I'm confused now. I All just, right, I got this. I it's just said I don't claim this one. <laughs> so, welcome everybody to another episode of Surviving the Storm. I be, uh, believe this is episode four for us, Chris. Is that right? Three or four? Three. Three, okay. At least and, I called it three. Uh, I could be wrong. It, it's either one. It, it, uh, but uh, we're appearing live on Facebook. We'll also post the show later here on YouTube and then everybody's individual pages. Um, I have Marsha from the sock drawer. Nope, Dusty I, from the sock drawer. Sorry, Dusty from the sock drawer. And uh, I also have uh, UA, uh, the famous UA is on here. Uh, famous for the... being a pain in the ass. Well, you know. And uh, so we have uh, uh, UA appears on everybody's show and has his own podcast that's in the works. It should be coming out here in the relatively near future. And then, of course, we have uh, Christopher Stull, uh, who's uh, the creator of uh, Realm of the Mist. And um, after hours, and what's the other shows you're a part of, Chris? Too many. <laughs> Breaking the fourth wall. Uh, sometimes I appear on Press A Gaming. Sometimes I appear on It Had to Be Said with Venus. Sometimes I never appear on the sock drawer because, you know, nobody wants an unmatched pair of socks. But actually, you never said you would do it. If you say you'll do it, we'll have you on. I've never been invited. <laughs> well, you're invited. Well, there you go. Maybe I'll appear on the sock drawer. <laughs> I think last last night we laid a lot of groundwork to making sure that everybody's going to appear on everybody's show within the syndication. Yep. Over the next couple of weeks, I think everybody's going to do like a round robin, like mass appearance promotion, cross promotion kind of deal. Yep. So that way we can all reach out to a lot of people. Of course, Chris, you're part of that. UA will guest on on a lot of the shows, and yep, Zephyr yep. and Anthony and everybody. So I mean, we've got a a lot of stuff that's going to be coming up here from the network that we're trying to create as much content as possible in this time right now where everybody needs a good diversion we don't want to talk about the elephant in the room um, and we want to talk about something else and this is a great way for everybody to hear a lot of different content a lot of entertaining stories meet some new personalities and see us all interact with each other um, and, and uh, become quickly not strangers anymore you know that's uh, kind of the idea exactly well maybe to it well maybe the uh, the the uh, ultimate way to to handle that when we were talking about it before um the ultimate way to handle that may be the fact that you know we are technically you know the way everybody could contact with each other surviving the storm i mean this show it doesn't hold a domain so it can go on all of our broadcasts all of our podcasts all of our shows all of all the attention we want to throw into it and uh it's kind of a neutral territory for everybody. Nobody, nobody, everybody benefits, but nobody benefits over the other. Well, exactly. I, like, I also like the idea of everyone guest starring on everybody else's too. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, and uh, that was something that was always tried to be promoted within Realm of the Mist. If you're part of Realm of the Mist, you have an open invitation to any and all shows at all times. It's one of the guidelines of Realm of the Mist, and it's it's meant for promotion of of camaraderie within the company. You know, and, and exposure for yeah. everybody to, to go to an audience that maybe wouldn't listen to your show necessarily, 
but they listen to mine, so now they know who you are, and maybe that'll generate interest to your show, or, or vice versa. You know what I mean? Love the idea. Mm-hmm. So, I I'm totally on board with with uh, Rudder's idea on this. I think it's a I think it's a stuperbus idea. <laughs> stuperbus, outstanding. Stuperbus. Hashtag stuperbus. Yeah. And it's a way for all of us, you know, just the the ability for everybody to jump on and spend an hour and create, like, some really fast content that has good quality to it. it you know, if there's ten active shows, that means by default, if I have ten people appear and I appear on ten people's shows, that's 90 pieces of content I've put out, out there that we're all kind of, you know, cross-promoting with each other. So it's it's just a lot that, that can go out fast. I think it'll do everybody a lot of good, and, and, you know, plus it'll be fun. I will warn people now, it seems to be an issue with uh, with Facebook Live connecting onto the show. However, we are live on YouTube. I just shared out the YouTube link to, link to everybody. Okay, oh, then cool. I, will, I will pick that up right now. Yep, I will do the same. All right. So if we're, if we're not I appearing, if we're not appearing on the... Uh, Realm of the Mist thing. I don't know what Restream is doing, but that's okay. There's a link to YouTube. Come talk to us there. <laughs> Easy enough. Come talk to us there. We'll monitor the chat on that. Plus, again, we're on twitch.com. Uh, uh, Twitch.tv slash Realm of the Mist Ent. E-N-T. So you guys can find us live there and talk to us there as well. So, hey, yeah, we're all together. Um, now what's the other thing I wanted to do? Oh yeah, I'm going to add uh, Keith in here. Because I'm an asshole. Because I'm an asshole. No. No, the problem is that he just can't read five messages beforehand to answer the question that he asks now. <laughs> That's why I'm an asshole. I'm just going to drop him <laughs> in on a live podcast. We should make it sound like we were talking about something completely weird <laughs> I could do that. Hold on. <laughs> I can make that happen. Okay. I can surely make that happen. If he decides to join the call. Okay. Okay, so <laughs> while we're uh, waiting on him to figure out what's going on, uh, does anybody have any recent news or uh, tech articles or anything that they wanted to dis- discuss to get the conversation going? Uh, absolutely. I was uh, at a strip club and I watched this girl just making ping pong balls pop out like the 4th of July. It was absolutely phenomenal. Oh, hi, oh, Keith. That was a video you said. <laughs> Chris, I love you. I told you I could do it. <laughs> All I had to do was wait for him to pop in. <laughs> Very well done, sir. Very Thank well you. Done. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, I uh, um, I just did a live stream before dinner uh, on YouTube, Twitch, and and uh, and hopefully Facebook Messenger. Although again, I think we've been having issues with restream on that. Uh, where I was doing a live play of the original Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy One, and we'll continue to do so. Oh, wow. And we'll continue to do so until I've defeated the game for the 20th time in my life. 
Hey, that's still impressive, man. That, which, that's a classic. Which which will be celebrated by a stripper, you know, with her legs in the air and sending out ping pong balls like fucking the Fourth of July fireworks. <laughs> oh, say hey. can you see? <laughs> hey, you, you think we could? You think we could do that with a dispenser in Minecraft? <laughs> you ping pong balls? Um. No, because there's no ping pong balls in Minecraft. However, if you want to use fireworks, then I think we need to get Salem in on the project, too. I agree with you on that one. Just don't do it anywhere near me. <laughs> so that's about that's about the farthest news I have at the particular moment to, to, to bring into the world. Anybody else? Uh, News-wise, for me, not really. I, I've been busy playing Persona 5 Royal for the last couple of days and just trying to get through this as far as I can before Final Fantasy 7 Remake comes out on Friday. That is true. It comes out Friday. I've been uh, I'm so excited. I've been locked in. I've been locked in on Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, and uh, Doom Eternal. And we were we were talking about Doom Eternal last night on Press A. Yeah, well, I uh, I've been doing a let's play, a blind let's play of it on on Twitch TV, which is also on the Sounds Dicey uh, YouTube channel. Nice. So promote it, people. Go look up Sound, Sounds Dicey Gaming. Give us subscribe. Check out the let's plays. I don't do this for my health, although quite honestly, if you don't watch, it's okay. I'm going to play the game anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I was I was doing it wasn't. Do we have yeah, to add fine. Anthony? It's up to you. I mean, what, if we get too many people, we crash. You know that. No, it has nothing to do with too many people. I mean, He's always Anthony, trying to bring out. us down. If you want to add Anthony, I can pop out. I'm just sitting here playing Animal Crossing. No, it's fine. I'll add him no, in. No, no, no. He's a pain yeah, in the you're ass. Doing oh yeah, uh, for the first time ever on a, a podcast, uh, my wife's actually sitting right next to me. Oh. Hi! Hi, doing laundry. It's so much fun. Now, be honest. Be honest. I know I know your husband works in the Air Force, so you can answer this. Does his underwear have more skid marks than the tarmac at his base? <laughs> well, I'm doing the baby's laundry right now, but you know, when, when underpants get super gnarly, I throw them away. <laughs> <laughs> I usually don't even I usually don't even notice they're gone. <laughs> that, that sounds a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> so anyway, how about you, Rudder? Any any exciting or adventurous news on your end? Well, you know, um, while all this is going on, before it started, I was a professional bartender, which means I was one of the first to become professionally unemployed. So unemployment for a bartender like really, really sucks balls. So I took up a job at this liquor store. So yesterday the governor uh, announced this, this like advanced quarantine thing where like you can't even go into stores now. So we have to do curbside service. And today was our first day of doing that where basically the customer comes up to the door, tells me what it is that they want. I shop through the store and find it, deliver it to them, collect the money, blah, blah, blah. It was probably the most irritating day I've ever had uh, dealing with liquor sales ever in my fucking life. Like, there's a lot of Friday or Saturday nights by 2 o'clock or whatever. You're getting close to last call. 
where people get really fucking dumb and irritating. But this is a whole nother level whenever you're dealing with the public and then they find out like you were a bartender. So they're like, oh yeah, give me that absolute vodka. And then they're like, what's the best way to make a screwdriver? Or what's the best, you know, and I'm like, GTS, Google that fucking shit, motherfucker. I did that for a living. I'm not giving you that information for free. Like I had like 15 or 20 people today ask me for drink recipes. And I was like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> it, 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 it's weird to me. News or not, but I had to vent. It was like a super stressful fucking day for it, man. I was like, I was really over it. Well, that's really, that's really blowing me away. Cause like my state, they, they fucking like right off the bat went prohibition. And shut down all the bars, shut down all the liquor stores, all the beer distributors. Like, the only people well, that are selling alcohol right now are, are fucking, like, uh, 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 grocery stores that, that carry. So the liquor stores are allowed to stay open here because it's considered essential. Because it's Indiana's, a, like, a really bad drinker state. Well, New York State's the same way, it's, it, which is why we don't have Salem on the podcast. He, is, he actually is a beer distributor. So Gotcha. And, and so, um, you know, the mortality rate for people who are all-day drinkers, not just the run-of-the-mill, drink a couple beers with your dinner people, but, like, hardcore alcoholics, if you cut them off from alcohol, like, the mortality rate is super fucking high. So they consider liquor sales to be essential. So it's, it's weird in, in one hand, and I'm thankful for it on the other because I have a job that pays way more than what the rate would be for a bartender, but... Um, yeah, it's a it's an aggravating aspect of the public that I didn't think I would have to do. Like just sitting behind the counter and ringing shit up would be okay, but having to run around the store and find shit for them, and then you do like a price check and they're like, oh no no, I only want a pint, not the half gallon or whatever. It's like I had to tell two people today, come back fucking tomorrow. I am not fucking with you. Know Why how much you around. <laughs> I'm like, know how much money you have and know what you want. Don't. don't I'm not playing the runaround game for you. <laughs> nah, see, see, Rudder, you mentioned during the beginning of your rent that your last call is at 2 a.m. I'm really, really thankful that you don't live in Western New York because our last call is 4 a.m. Seriously? You, your last call is 4 o'clock in the morning? 4 o'clock in the morning. Good God, my t- my state sucks. <laughs> I was gonna say it's different in because I'm in Central New York and it, it's two a.m. here too. So we we close the doors at three a.m. But we start uh, last call. Um, you know, at two o'clock you start letting everybody know, and we officially ring the bell at two forty-five. But at two o'clock it's like you know, go ahead and get your last rounds now. Because everybody's going to be at the bar in the next half hour trying to get their last drink. But, yeah, you're warming up for last call at 2 a.m. The 4 a.m. thing, one thing I would really hate is to be a bartender in New Orleans because they really only closed for one hour a day. Well, speaking speaking of closing for one hour a day, uh, we have Mr. Missouri himself, Mr. A.K.A., Mr. A.K.A., Mr. A.K.A. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi. First, first, first time caller, long, long time listener. Okay. <laughs> well, my name is Chad Johnson, and I'm from the West. I just want to say you guys have a super great show. I mean, seriously, it really gets my wild out. Especially being Mrs. Listed, it kind of makes us a little ready. 
So I just want to let you guys know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, and, um, yeah, keep on making that great content. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put on um, um, put on the spandex suit and the leather ball. And um, I'm going to go ahead and set for my wife. See you later, guys. Uh, Thank thank you very much for all that. But my name is Mike, and I'm with the Auto Health Insurance Plan. And how is your 401k? Would you like to give me the last three digits of your uh, uh, Social Security or your your debit card on the back? Pay attention to me, you motherfucker. There's a lot of feedback or something. I can't understand. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, come out of- Nobody can hear you. Fuck you, you motherfucker. I'm I'm in complete silence, so not on my end. It ain't me. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> so anyway, we. Good. No, go on. I was just going to ask Anthony if he got any uh, news he'd like to bring to the table. Uh, we were bitching about uh, uh, bartending and and uh, curbside uh, alcoholism. Uh, we were bitching about ping pong balls flying out like the Fourth of July from uh, stripper girls, and we were bitching about uh, skin marks and underwear. So, what you got? What the fuck is going on? Because I feel like a lot of people are about to get the coronavirus that planned didn't be having. I'm serious. I have never seen so many thirst trap groups in my life. It's just like, oh my god, I really want to fuck somebody. I know it's a thirst trap, but at the same time, it's just like, some of y'all going to end up pregnant. Committing sin and shit, you fucking sinner. Go oh, fuck that. You know, you know for a fact. Nine months from now, there's going to be a huge boom of, of fucking kids being born. Which means I'm yeah. never going to get to see a judge at uh, for for child support court. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, man. I already know how this is about to go. Dudes are going to be swinging dick like Putin tank around here. That's what's going to be happening. And man, I'm talking about it's going to flood the water gate. It's going to be the Waterloo of dick. All over the whole line of the United States. <laughs> somebody, I, I can feel it in my veins. Somebody's pregnant right now. Boom. Well, yeah, probably. Josh, you have something to tell us? I mean, I've got like three <laughs> friends that are pregnant right now, but they St- were all pregnant before this went down. Statistically speaking, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> if he means somebody in this chat room. <laughs> Not gonna happen to oh, me. I, I was about to say, Dusty, did did you and Mr. AKA have a little too much of a good night after we got off the air last nope. night? Nope, I got fixed a long time ago. I ain't having no kids. Wait, 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 wait. He he lives in Missouri. Uh, she lives in New York. Hey, we be changing his nickname from Mr. AKA to Mr. AT and T. He reached out and touched somebody. Family jeans. That shit is possible. Terrible, terrible people, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. Chimpanzees are terrible, terrible people. Aardvarks are terrible, terrible people. Why are we talking about aardvarks and chimpanzees? And Because they make terrible people. Did you, go, did you go to the zoo recently? Yeah, I went to the zoo during the corona.
virus. Actually, that's something I do want to I want to ask everybody. And I know we wanted to stay off the subject of, of COVID-19, but it's fucking me up to something I thought about the other day. And I haven't had a chance to ask anybody about this. Do animals get this shit? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the tigers they, just got it in a zoo, actually. And they can transmit it to us as well. There's yes. a tiger. Actually, actually, the transmission to us, they've proven. They're concerned that it might have been a so. contaminated by the tiger, though. More testing was needed. Exactly. It's so up it's in the air right now. The tiger didn't actually have it, that a handler had it and contaminated the test by accident. They're not That's sure. That's what... That's what they're thinking. Ah, okay. There's three people who died in California in San Francisco who had house pets, two cats, and a dog. And the two two cats tested positive for having corona, and so did the dog. And their their owners died from from COVID-19. But... But is it the but is it the Corona nineteen? Because animals have been getting Corona for a long time, but it's not nineteen. It's a different one. No, it's the nineteen strain. They have a test for that for animals now. Yeah, there's three confirmed cases of that in California. Oh, I got. I, I got a question. Okay, good. I'm sorry. What the fuck are these people doing to these animals? Breathing on them, technically. Well, I was going to say I would like to think that they're not being intentional with getting anyone contaminated in any capacity, whether it's human or animal, so... Yeah, you know, my cat sits in my lap, and if I sneeze, basically sneezing on it, and he would have, you know, corona. So, I mean, that's really all it takes. I mean, I'm just making sure, you know, nothing like freaky going on the damn animal. Like some bullshit. Put in new... Well, I mean, uh, you know, like uh, I can just cricket, cricket. Some good old-fashioned tiger pussy. Well, I, all I gotta say is this: oh, there's God. some people, there's some people in social media, and I, since we're since we're broadcasting on social media, so I gotta say it. Some of y'all people need to lighten the fuck up when it comes to this shit. You know, I got blasted the other day for a meme that I shared that uh, I thought was funny. Because I knew, and the reason I thought it was funny because I knew it was going to crawl under people's skins. Okay, and and the meme the meme was calling uh, COVID nineteen, basically saying that COVID nineteen stood for Chinese uh, virus something or other. Some somehow it broke down to China. I thought it was funny because I knew the reaction I was going to get. If I and- remember the meme correctly. You you posted. It, you, the one you posted, it said it, it meant for Chinese-originated viral infectious disease. Right, something like that. And I posted it knowing it was going to crawl under some people's skin. I knew it. I know damn right well that COVID-19 didn't stand for that. You know what I mean? But but And, of course, look at the source of where it came from. You knew damn right well it wasn't legitimate. But the people's response, like, seriously, get a fucking life. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just want to say, but, uh, know by now, Christopher Stolley is one of the biggest trolls in the group of Realm of the Minutes. I love instigating people. I love it's fucking. Great. I love fucking with the ignorant. I love fucking with the ignorant. Oh, believe me, we the problem. The problem. The problem I have with memes like that going around that are deliberately spreading misinformation is we have we have out there that are looking for anything, anything to confirm their bias, 
and 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 prove them right. Well, here's your misinformation like that spreads. That's not my fault. If if you're looking, if you're looking for anything to add fuel to the fire, and you're looking for some sort of legitimately legitimacy to to add fuel to the fire, the last place in the world you should be looking for that legitimacy is fucking Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. No, I prefer. And yet, and yet, they still look for it then. Yeah, I'm kind of with Chris. The best best way to avoid it is to not fucking spread it. Yeah, no, that's that, that, that's cancellation. That's 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 the cancellation ideology it's, it's that's like, going around. It's like COVID nineteen. The best defense is to not fucking spread it. The only thing you should be spreading is some cheeks. No, but I, I agree with Chris. It's it, it's that that's a uh, you know no disrespect, but that's a cancellation mentality. That that's saying because of the fact yeah. that somebody else can't gonna, handle. Somebody can't handle what I'm gonna what I'm gonna say. I should I should censor what I could. The, the best quote I could ever give because I I have an extreme hatred for censorship. I have always had an extreme hatred for censorship since I was a musician. You know, in the '90s. You know, um, and the greatest quote of all time is by Mark Twain: "Censorship is telling a man he can't have a steak because a baby can't chew it." If you can't chew yep. the fucking steak, fuck you. I'm still eating my filet mignon. I don't give a shit about you. <laughs> I'm going to say this, though, Chris. In, in, in just the way, sometimes you also got to realize, you also got to use wisdom at a time when it's um, appropriate. So, let me pull out this, though. I'm not saying that you don't have a right to say what you want to say. But there always is some of these to anything anybody says. I mean, look at Ari Shafir after the Kobe, um, after the Kobe um, the helicopter crash. That was fucked up. But again... I mean, at the same time, I mean, it's fucking Ari Shafir. It doesn't surprise me he said some shit like this. This is the same guy who did the Amazing Races. But again, you, every person, individually, a person is only responsible for what they said. I am not responsible for what you understand or what feelings you took from what I said. I mean, it's just, I mean, you knew it was going to cause controversy, is what I'm saying. I'm uh-huh. not saying you're wrong. Right? That was the I point. Get the, I get the joke. <laughs> I get the fucking joke. <laughs> that was the point. Time. I got the reaction I wanted. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's the case and shit. Let everybody be butthurt, then. That's it. Yeah. And the reason I wanted that reaction is so I can come onto a show like Surviving the Storm and turn around and say, grow the fuck up, people. You got you got trolled I'm a, for I'm a, no reason. None. I'm a, I'm a quote meat wad from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I get it. I ain't laughing, but I get it. I mean, yeah, that's basically it. I get it. <laughs> I don't care. I thought it was funny. <laughs> kind of titillating, but I get it. Fucking meat wad. <laughs> so, so either way, the point the point still stands. People get a life. Get a life. Quit looking. Quit looking to try to flex your your internet superiority complex. Is somebody pissing on the stream? Uh, oh, no, okay. that's me filling a water bottle. Okay. <laughs> I'm about to say that's a first. We just whipping dicks out and everything. Well, I mean the cameras aren't on, so how, you wouldn't know except for the audio, and it just so happens that that's what, what the audio sounded like. I apologize. No, I was refilling my water bottle. Well, I was, out, I was 
$5 well, again, that's no fair. Yours could be seen from fucking other states if you laid down. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that the space shuttle going up? <laughs> that's all I want. That's Which, all I think with awesome powers and, um, and all the odds were. It's like, do you see that? That spaceship looks like a giant. Johnson! Johnson! <laughs> uh, I enjoyed Austin Powers. Who didn't enjoy Austin, Austin Powers? I, I would love a fourth. Like, there, there's a conversation we can get into, and I know Rudder will want to get into it. Should there be a fourth Austin Powers? Like, is it a missed yeah. opportunity with as good as the trilogy was? No, I think they, I think they cut it off exactly where they needed to cut it off. They did get it off in a good place, and as far as the way that uh, Myers was writing everything, the problem with adding a fourth is that it automatically demands another trilogy, and I don't think there's enough source material for it, so it would be like a one-off, and it wouldn't have as much weight uh, just because of that. And it's not like it's a cinematic masterpiece or anything, but it is a comedic masterpiece, and if you're not going to do it in the right way, then why do it at all? I, I think is where Mike Myers is with it. He's in a place in his career where he's not going to devote that much brain brain power and writing time to uh, laying down the the next trilogy of, of Austin Austin Powers. But it would be awesome to see a standalone. It's just that it it would leave the room to have another one, which automatically dictates that you have to have another one. I think that's why they haven't done it. Because it's been 20 years almost since the last one. 15. So Yeah, it has been a while. That, that long since um, the Rob Zombie one? Yeah. What? I'm old as fuck. Rob Zombie one what? The Rob Zombie Halloween. We're talking about Austin Powers. I'm confused. Oh, I thought you were talking about Halloween. No, <laughs> we're talking he, about He Austin. heard Michael Myers and thought the fucking horror movie. <laughs> oh, I understand. Oh, yeah. Okay, I get you. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, have you played a game I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I just thought Lance Archer killed a guy. My apologies. Yeah, anyways, but... Uh, I distinctly remember a movie or a TV show having a, a bank robbery, and one of the characters was supposed to go out and buy Michael Myers masks, and they were expecting the Halloween movie masks, and he showed up with a bunch of Michael Myers' as Austin Powers masks. <laughs> the bank job? Is that the one you're talking about? I forget what the fucking movie it was, but they... I think the it is. It's either the Tower Heist or the, bank, or the bank job. But yeah, that's fucking hysterical, right? <laughs> the entire crew got fucking pissed at him. Because he showed up with the wrong mask. That's I mean, hilarious. a mask is a mask. You know, fuck it. But it, it was funny, though. I, I know which movie you're talking about. I think it was The Tower Heist is the one that they did that in, I think. <laughs> Everybody else is wearing the fucking Halloween mask. He shows up with fucking Austin Powers. <laughs> that is funny. So yeah, it's but been a while since the last uh, Halloween one too. But they are working on a new one, aren't they? Another one with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, if I'm not mistaken. So the last one, the last one that came out, which was three years ago, they they are in writing and production. I don't know what's going on now, uh, obviously, but that was actually in pre-production and they were finalizing everything. But she has signed a contract to do the new one. 
along with a couple of other characters from the last movie or the last installment of it. Um, so that is definitely going to be something. They were originally planning on 2021 Halloween, that one coming out. Obviously, the, uh, the situation currently is probably going to push it back, but like it, it might be a 2022 uh, release, but that's definitely, they are doing it. I just realized how bad is it actually affecting movie releases and shit. Actually, well, from, everything. From, from what I've been hearing, uh, AMC Theaters is closing, like, permanently. Oh, God. No! Oh, God, really? Yeah, what? so if, if you look at what's going on right now, this is something that I did I did want to talk about uh, as far as the subject goes. But look at, there's several institutions or business institutions that our country is going to lose during all of this. And the first and foremost is going to be cruise ships. Cruise lines, there's not going to be fucking 50 different cruise lines out there. There's going to be one or two, and that's going to be it. Like Disney and the Princess Line or whatever, that's going to be it. So, and then uh, the other one is going to be movie theaters. Look at all of the studios that are circumventing the theaters being closed down now, and they're just releasing the stream. And so, they're charging a premium for it. So that means, you know, six months from now, we're all going to be paying fifteen ninety nine a month for Netflix. But you're going to get everything released straight to your living room. That's definitely going to be something that happens. Like if your town has a $3 cheap Saturday night movie uh, theater or whatever, like we have one here, if you have that, that's going to be the only way, like really, you're going to be able to go to the movies probably in the next year. Like theaters are going to be a thing of the past. And that's something that this uh, pandemic has actually kind of shuttered in. That was probably ten years out without the without the corona going on, and it's something that corona is basically just forcing it to happen ahead of its time. But the technology the technology is just too much. So, you know, so, so this episode is going to be about coronavirus. No. Not not necessarily because <laughs> I'm out. If it is, I, I've no, had too much about- of it. Getting money and getting women pregnant. That's what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> honestly, so, honestly, one of the things I'm hoping that happens with all this, this will be the last thing I'll say about it. I'm hoping drive through theaters come back. That would be a nice uh, thing. Drive-in the drive-ins, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, man. That takes me back, man. Our, ours closed two years ago, and they built the car lot on it. I hate it. Whoa. We still got one here in Buffalo. I'm not driving. Yeah. I'm not driving that many hours to go to a drive-in. Sorry. Hey, yeah, I'm gonna say this though, man. That used to be a shit though. See, my aunt and uncle, my cousins, stuff like that. My aunt and uncle had this big ass, like, basically camping van that also could be a murder van. But like, <laughs> what we would do is we would just like hide out and shit like that in the back, right? And they were only paid for two, and we would just hop out and motherfuckers be on the roof and shit. We'd be out on the side and shit. Just watching movies and shit. I remember I saw um, the second Matrix um, at the movie, um, at the drive and shit. That used to be, man, you could get like two movies for, uh, for the price of one and shit. That was so back in the day. Well, you're, 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 you're speaking on why, you know, places like, uh, like movie theaters closed down. Uh, you know, it's very stereotype and cliche, and I apologize in advance for anybody it may offend. But I mean, think of think of like the the the, the landscape in Mexicans that show up in a Ford Ranger, and fifteen of them pop out. It, it's, oh, man. plenty of white folks do it too. Y'all just as racket. See, that's one thing about our driving that just closed a couple years ago. It was not per person; it was just you paid per car. That's the 
smart way to do it. But I'm saying a lot of them did per person. They still try to sell individual tickets. And like Anthony is describing, you know, you clown car a van or something like that, you will, you know, and people are like, oh, you only got two people. Go ahead. You're, you're good to go. And then, you know, you're popping out lawn chairs and, you know, blankets on top of the roof. And you've got like, you know, three generations of family popping out of this van to watch a movie for free. But at the same time, you got to realize, Chris, motherfuckers have been doing that since a dawn of time. And I that's why... That's one of the... And that's why they're gone. That's why exactly. That's why they went under. That's and the like, point. probably done that shit too, Chris. Come on. No, actually, believe it or not, I've never been to a drive-in. What the hell is wrong? Really? We're so American right now. I'm ashamed of you. I, I'm... Well, I'm, 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 I'm I'm, I saw the first three Star Wars movies in in a drive-in. I saw I saw all of them in the theater, but I'd never been to a drive-in. My family couldn't afford a theater; we had to go to the drive-in. Well, hold on a second, Anthony. I, 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 if this isn't true, Chris, then shut me down real quickly. Okay. Um, but in in his defense. Drive-ins are not readily available in every major or even minor town in continental USA. Even when they were at at their heyday, they were spaced out relatively far. And, I mean, it wasn't readily available for everyone. So maybe drive-ins wasn't something that was in the proximity for them growing up. That's pretty. That's pretty much accurate. Um, I mean, I grew up. I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, but it's still city proper, you know. And there's quite honestly, I mean, you know, people who live in New York City could probably attest to this. There's just no space for it. Well, fair enough. You're not wide open like the Midwest, that's right? Okay. I mean. When it comes down to it, we had that opportunity just because of the fact, oh, we had like two drive-ins at one point back in the day. I was uh, yeah, when I was a kid, within 30 minutes, there was four. So, you just picked which when one. When I was to. growing up, there wasn't any anywhere near us. The nearest one was at my grandparents a whole state away. I think, or just movie theater? Movie theater. I think, I, think that's, I think that's the same situation for me growing up. I think the closest one at the time... And I could be completely wrong on this. I may have to actually call my mother on this one just to confirm for, like, next show or something. Uh, but I think it might have been, like, central New Jersey. Like, I would have to travel not only another state, but damn way, damn near halfway through the state to go see a movie. Damn. Yeah, so. And, I mean, uh, having lived in western New York my whole life, I could tell you that I was fortunate. There were two drive-ins less than 20 miles apart from each other. But outside of that, the next closest one that I can think of is near the New York-Pennsylvania state line, an hour plus away from me. That's funny. I when when my job when my job uh, came back for a week, um, I did a couple jobs up at that border. I was in Sussex, uh, Sussex, uh, North Jersey. <laughs> okay. Sussex County. Doing work. I was lit. I could. I could have spit on you. Like that's how close I was. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. For, thank you. For, thank you for not. You're welcome. Nobody wants to spread at Chernobyl, sir. <laughs> then we already had this conversation on after hours. The Chernobyl joke didn't land. <laughs> the Chernobyl joke landed there. But Joe Atomic Lugie. That's not anywhere in Europe. That was in civilization. Don't do it. 
<laughs> oh, Jesus. Please, Rudder, get this back under control. <laughs> Why? Where's the fun in that? Exactly. Thank you. Oh, man. Oh, I feel my beat. Actually, it's funny. It's funny how um, in in a lot of areas of the country, the drive-in is actually like a staple of life. You know, growing up, if you're a child of the '70s or '80s or early '90s, and then in some parts of the country, it's completely non-existent. It seemed really prevalent in the Midwest, <laughs> where me and Anthony are from. But um, yeah. on the East Coast, it just seems like it's really scattered out. Like UA, you're up in in northern New York, and Chris, you're in you know Western Pennsylvania, and so it you guys I'm in have Eastern two Pennsylvania. Completely, sorry, Eastern Pennsylvania, but you have two totally different <laughs> dynamics going on. With something we're not, that, we're not Northern New York; we're Western New York. Whatever, man. Fuck geography. Where? <laughs> and, and that's why I kept my mouth shut. And that's yeah. why I'm Central yeah. New York. <laughs> Fuck, you know. Uh, but wherever you are, East Coast compared to the Midwest. Like something that's considered to be a national institution or a it, it, national pastime is like completely absent from some of your lives and completely prevalent in some of our lives. Like that's a really weird thing that like the drive-in theater is considered to be as American as apple pie or baseball. But there's some areas of the country it was non-existent. You're you're not wrong too, because I mean, you you look back to say '80s movies. Let's let's uh, first movie first movie that pops into my head right off the bat is Explorers. You know uh, where drive-in theaters were very predominant uh, for a Friday night deal for teenagers to go see if uh, some cheesy sci-fi sci-fi <laughs> flick or or whatever. Or even if you want to go past the '80s, we can go into like a movie like Twister, where uh, it seemed like that Kansas had a bunch of them. You know what I mean, and and a, and a ton of the '80s movies, the bad ones, had makeout sessions at all the time at those places. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny you mentioned the movie Twister because I got a I got a little uh, bit of trivia from that of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Gradu- graduated from the same high school I did. Well, that explains Damn. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I... Well, it's, it's it's well it's it's funny because like it's 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 a it's an important thing that like everybody who goes to Fairport High School learns about like through either the teachers that that work there or you know talking to to people who've been in Fairport for like their entire lives is like oh yeah we had this famous Hollywood actor go to our school doesn't you know, mean shit now. You know, I had, uh, I had, when I was a teenager, I was drunk off my ass in Center City, Philadelphia, and I ran into this short little fucking mean fucker. And when I say I ran into him, like I was, you know, I had my headphones on and and I was jamming out oh to some fucking nine inch nails, and I was looking down at the ground. I wasn't paying attention, and I literally plowed into this guy, and he knocked me on my ass because he's solid as a fucking brick. And uh, I looked up, and I see this bald dude who turns around and tells me to watch where the fuck I'm going and walks on. And I'm thinking, asshole. And I, you know, get get up and walk away. And then my drunken, addled brain realized the need to turn around because I realized it was fucking Bruce Willis. And it was during the filming of The Sixth Sense. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I got a a story like that from uh, when I was on a trip. For the Air Force, uh, one of the stops we did was in St. John's, Newfoundland. All right. And nice. um, 
there there is a band that I I, I was a big fan of called Great Big C. You guys might not have heard of them or anything, but uh, they, they're. Well, yeah, you have, but uh, I don't know if Chris has ever heard of Great Big C. I don't think he's into that whole folksy Iron. No, I don't know music, but uh, they're 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 a folksy music group, or they were. I should say they they broke up a while ago, but um, yeah. I'm a big fan of the lead singer Alan Doyle. And uh, what I didn't know is that Alan Doyle is specifically from St. John's. I knew he was Canadian. I didn't know he was from St. John's. And so we were holed up in this this hotel uh, the same week as they have this big music festival uh, in St. John's. It's called the George Street Music Festival. And so wait, but the Air Force gets put in hotels. Yeah. Fucking okay. Air Force. That's why we're the smart branch. It's not called the Air Force. It's called the Chair Force. Okay. Hey Keep now. going. Keep hey going. Now. Most of my friends are jarheads, so only, that just blew my mind for a second. Only members of other branches get to make the Chair Force joke. Anyway. Moving on. Brown shoes. But, uh, I, I got out of my uh, hotel room, got in the elevator, went down. And I stepped off the elevator. The, the the guy I was in the elevator with, I remember having this thought of like, that guy looks kind of familiar, but he probably just kind of looks like some actor that I've seen before. And, yeah, it's no big deal. I walk out of the elevator. I, I, I step out of it ahead of him, and he sees somebody that he knows in the hotel lobby, and he speaks to them. And the second he spoke from behind my back, I, I, I come to the realization of... Fuck me, that's Alan Doyle. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I recognized him. Oh, there I, you go. I almost, got into, music videos. I almost got into a fight with Surge from System of a Down, the lead singer of System of a Down. I almost got into a fist fight. How the hell did you get a fight with Surge? Because I, I walked up to the autograph uh, uh, table where they were signing autographs at OddsFest 98 and told him that his band straight up fucking sucks. Well, that'll do it. <laughs> His yeah. band fucking sucks. No, no. <laughs> yes, they do. Right, yes, they do. And I got no, dared. No. I got dared by my lead guitarist at the time to, to. Oh, you think they suck? I dare you to go up and tell them. I said, all right. First off, I'm drunk as shit. Like, like I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> Are your stories sober, Chris? Now, yes. Back well, then, they no. do have. A, they do have a. They do have a few more Ozfest appearance credits than you do. <laughs> no, that's incorrect. I've got more Ozfest appearances than they do. I just don't have stage appearances. <laughs> Damn. And t-shirt. Listen, listen, getting thrown out of Ozfest for drunken disorderly conduct does not count as an appearance. Hey, look, I, I will say this much, too. It's not the first time I ever told somebody famous that they fucking blow ass. Uh, my band, No Remorse, was in a Battle of the Bands in Allentown, PA, uh, many, many, many years ago. And there was another band on there that was uh, that was actually really, really good. I had no issue with the band whatsoever, but their lead vocalist was a complete dick. So he comes off a of stage, and, and, you know, the band comes off, and my band's getting ready to go on next. And, and I'm like, dude, great set. You guys did great. And he's like, yeah, let's see if you could do better. I'm like, you fucking dick. Long story short, we won the Battle of the Bands that night. We got five-hour studio time and shit like that. 
But the ultimate laugh is the other band because the other band was fucking live. <laughs> they got the well, record go, deal. Man. I got five hours of studio time at some fucking generic fucking studio. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ouch. Who got the last laugh, you know? <laughs> oh, ouch. Man, why are you so angry, Chris? Because I have no problem telling somebody that what they need to what they need to hear. I don't blow smoke up their ass. If you suck, well, you I, suck. I, I, look, 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 look. At the same time, I love Serge's voice. I don't understand why you think he blows ass. I don't have a problem with Serge's voice. I have a problem with the band's music. The band's music is so generically well, basic. It is so generically basic. I don't understand how this band got a record deal. Like, my five-year-old, well, they're ten now, but my five-year-old can make the same sounds playing one string on a guitar. I'm going to disagree with you, sir. I don't know why you got to be so mean. Well, you're... You, you, <laughs> I'm not... Speaking I, of one string on the guitar, and I don't know how they got a record deal, I saw a kid perform live in concert, and I saw Gene Simmons break three strings on his axe, and the bass beat kept going. <laughs> <laughs> So, so my question is, you can't talk about a more world-famous band that at the end of the day, like, do you really have to have a backup track to make sure your set goes off right? Come on, man. Like, are you really a, a, a legit musician or not? And so that was the answer to my question. That was the, the last time I ever saw them. Ted Nugent was on the show. He was awesome. But after seeing Gene Simmons do that, I was like, no, these guys are complete posers, man. Fuck them. Well, you're you're not wrong, and I mean, uh, like, I can't speak for like three guitar or three strings. But I mean, first off, don't you have backup axes? Like, look at Metallica. I hate to use them as an like, example, but Metallica's got like fifteen guitars each person. Yeah. <laughs> in backup, waiting. <laughs> and if you and if you don't have and if you don't have that many guitars or whatever in background. And I'm definitely not trying to compare myself to somebody like Kiss, but like in Disillusion Purity, my rhythm guitarist, first song breaks the uh, the low E string. Broke it. We don't have time to fucking replace the string or anything else. He just stepped up an octave and used the other five strings and kept with the rest of the so rest of the band for the rest of the set. Like, you, you figure you it out. You figure it the fuck out. That's what the show must go on. You know, so yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with Rudder. It's like if you can't figure out how to at least give a basic bass line with that one string left to finish the set, and you don't have a backup axe, then what are you doing in a band? That's the basis. And unfortunately, after it happened to me, I talked to a lot of people, and like that wasn't the only instance of something like that happening with them. And, oh, well, you know, I lost I lost a lot of respect for those guys. Uh, <laughs> And this is, you know, I mean, KISS is what it is, but the KISS Army has millions and millions and millions of diehard people in it. And they completely look past that because they're so enamored with being at the show and seeing KISS. So they miss some of these technical things. And it, it's like if you actually, like, were to kind of hit pause and look at what's really going on to see how overproduced it is and all this shit, and they have, they're basically fucking lip syncing, like, we completely killed Millie Vanilli back in the 80s because of that. And these cocksuckers get to keep going? Well, Fuck. and I say uh, Millie, um, and, um, Millie, I think it was Millie Vanilli for defense. They actually could say. Hey, no, they couldn't. No, they could not. They, they proved that. They, they could not. 
there are some groups out there that have cult followings that you really don't understand why they have cult followings or why they have a huge group of people. I mean, just look at Insane Clown Posse. Hey, fuck you. Hey, they're, they're not the greatest rappers ever, but I give them credit because of the fact they made such a crazy ass fan. Well, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing about Insane Clown Posse, and this this is this is the God's honest truth. Their popularity is the fact that it's not it's not that they're they're rappers or that they're musicians. They know they're not. But that's the point. Their whole entire thing is a gimmick. And and they don't hide the fact that it's a gimmick. And the people appreciate the fact that they don't hide the fact that it's a gimmick. Here's something to talk about. And this might be something with me and Stoli being on the, on the uh, show here together that might really go off the rails. But a lot of people consider jazz to be the great American art form. I disagree. I think kayfabe is the great American art form. Kayfabe. Kayfabe is the art of the showmanship that goes into wrestling where everybody knows it's a work, but we pretend that it's not. We suspend our disbelief to allow ourselves to be bought into the show. That's what Kayfabe is. Back in the day, you know, good guy wrestlers and bad guy wrestlers, you would never see them at fucking Denny's together because kayfabe had to live on. The show had to go on. So whenever they appeared in the next town, none of the fans could say, oh, I saw Stone Cold and fucking Triple H eating at a restaurant uh, together. So that's what... Yeah, that would have caused a riot. That's what kayfabe is, and that is an American institution that comes around from sideshows and the circuses and uh, very prominent through the wrestling industry. But I think that kayfabe is something that is um, practiced in politics, practiced in show business. ICP is a great example of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is something that isn't given credit that... The, one of the truest American art forms ever that has lasted for not just a few years, literally hundreds of years. Sideshows were going on before the Declaration of Independence in America, and kayfabe was alive then, and it's still going on today. I think that's the real American art form, not fucking jazz. That's just a bunch of guys getting out there playing out of tune and out of rhythm together. Fuck that. Now, this... I, I agree with you, but I, I won't disrespect jazz. I got a lot of love for jazz. Um, there, there's a Me lot. Of, there's a lot of. There's a lot of dynamics within within jazz that you, you you just can't can't ignore. And I think you have to have a trained ear for it. But you're absolutely correct on the kayfabe aspect. And for anybody listening that may not understand what he's talking about, was breaking it down. The ultimate example of kayfabe that I can give somebody is uh, Sandman from ECW. Uh, during the time where he was supposed to be burned in the eyes, like his, his, he was supposed to be blinded from from a burn to the eyes. It was a work. We all knew it was a work. But he was right. so devoted to the fucking to the gimmick. He did not leave his house for three weeks. He would not answer the door without ha- or go anywhere without the fucking blind uh, the blind patch on and have somebody like leading him. Like if he had to go to the uh, 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 fucking uh, grocery store or something like that. He it, it's funny that lived you, the gimmick twenty four seven until they finally revealed that it was a work three weeks later. And so that's the that's that's the beginning of like the death of kayfabe to an extent. But what you're talking about, like in Memphis wrestling with Lawler and Austin Idol and Jimmy oh, Barnett and all those guys, those guys lived and breathed that twenty four hours a day, three hundred sixty five. Mm-hmm. The work was always going on. 
And there was never a, a letting it out of the bag of the gimmick. Like that, that person would never come back and work in the territory if they ever talked about it or let on or whatever. You know, it, the Sandman thing is kind of at the end of when kayfabe really started to weaken because internet was coming around and you were starting to get some smarks out there. You know, the smart marks and whatnot. But you know, if you look back at like '80s wrestling, Georgia wrestling, Mid South wrestling, Memphis wrestling, even WWE in the in the early '80s at the very least, they carried kayfabe to a huge extreme. Like you wouldn't, unless you were like actually a smart mark, you would have no idea. Like you would always be guessing or arguing with your friends. Like a, the typical bar fight, bar argument would always be, that's not real, fuck you. Let me body slam you on this floor and you tell me how not real it is. It is. All right. If you want, if you want a and mainstream, if you want a mainstream idea of it uh, that you could probably find on YouTube, just look up uh, fucking Geraldo Guerrero. Uh, Doctor David Schultz. Yeah. Geraldo uh, uh, Rivera. Excuse me. Geraldo Rivera uh, interviewing Sid Vicious. Or no, it wasn't uh, Sid Vicious. Dr. It was hardly. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. It wasn't Sid Vicious. It was. Uh, it was that guy, and he had the nerve to accidentally, like, Geraldo wasn't even trying to instigate the, the, the guy. He just turned around and said, you know, inadvertently called it fake. And he got his ass completely handed to him for it. Yeah, Schmoltz uh, open-handed smacked him in the air and knocked him down. Like, he did it two or three times. Like, as soon as he got up and looked him in the eyes, he knocked him down again and said, tell me how fucking fake that is, punk. You know? That's uh, oh, wow. And during I, I do want to say something, too. Like, with some, I'll say even in this newer generation, there's still guys that are still holding. I'm not saying it's everybody. But, of course, you know, the the magic of the life behind the curtains has been revealed and all that. But i got to give person, people like um, MJF and Dean Ambrose credit because they've actually kept the kayfabe kind of going on their characters. Like, for instance, Dean Ambrose did like an old school. You remember when Dusty Rhodes got stabbed in the eye by the, Ro uh, by the Road Warriors? When they had um, when they yeah. had lots of trios titles and everything? Yeah, whenever they had the six-man tag titles going on. Yep. Yeah. So what happened was um, Dean Ambrose was in a feud with Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho had a spike jacket. He took one of the spikes out, stabbed um, Ambrose, with, um, not Ambrose, but um, John Moxley with John Moxley for a whole fucking month. And this is him going to independent shows and going to Japan, still had the damn eye patch on. Yeah, he's, he's playing the work, and that's what you're supposed to do. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Always a fucking character. And you you well, hit you hit one nail right on the head, and and Rudder could attest to this. Uh, the the idea of kayfabe within professional wrestling, and I, I'm I'm sure Dusty and and Josh can back me on this because even though they don't work in the business, they know people who do. Um, mm -hmm. The independent circuit still believes in kayfabe. Yes, we oh, still keeps them going. We still they're able to flip the finger to Vince McMahon and stay alive is because they do kayfabe. Well, and just real quickly, Chris, you can also throw Zephyr into that mix, too, because he and I both have a mutual friend who worked the indies in Maryland. So we, we know that we know that side of the coin as well. So okay, well, that's correct. A lot of the fair indies, enough. if not most, all of them, if not all of them, still believe and still work kayfabe. And, you know... I'm not gonna lie. That, I'm not gonna lie. That's something that I actually dreadfully miss off of these big companies like WWE. Maybe not so much AEW, but Ring of Honor, TNA. It, they let it go by the wayside, and it kind of loses something when you do that. 
I, I give a perfect example. I'll give a perfect example from my own career for this. I had a huge fan out in Colorado, a little eight-year-old girl. She absolutely loved uh, the character of the East Coast kid, Matt Wilde. And I mean, to the point that, you know, when I came out to the ring and she was in the front row, I'd always give her a hug. Or if I had like, uh, you know, like uh, like uh, uh, fucking St. Patrick Day beads or, or one of those silly fucking like cat in a hat hats on, I'd fucking give it to her. Like she loved the, the East Coast kid, Matt Wilde. Right. She was my number one fan. <clears throat> one show she, she was at. Uh, I got double booked. I had to do not only the East Coast Kid Matt Wild, but my alternate gimmick, which is uh, a, a, a gothic vampire uh, in in black and white face paint. Uh, total asshole. His name was uh, the 13th Apostle Christian Draconis. And I had to do it separately. Who's in the I had to do Anybody the gimmick. Anybody who's worked in the business has had to work a double book, but that's such bad booking. It is bad booking, but I, I I was pretty decent on hiding the different characters. Like I learned how to make Christian Draconis walk different, talk different, move different. You know what I mean? So so unless you looked at me closely, you you didn't know it was me. And of course, the face paint I would spray in like black uh, black hairspray that washes right out. <laughs> you know to, to to make my hair black and you know like anything I could do to disguise myself as the apostle, I did. She saw right the fuck through it. Like, she totally did. Like, Matt Wilde came out slapping hands. Actually, the Apostle was first, and then Wilde had to perform later. So the Apostle came out, and she's trying, hey, Matt Wilde, I'm trying to slap my hand, and I just, you know, I glare at her and walk on. And she was crying. She was devastated, right? Oh, because God. because Matt Wilde oh. wouldn't, wouldn't fucking slap her hand and shit. And her, uh, her mother snuck to the uh, curtain, of the of the uh, uh, backstage area, and asked for me, and I'm you know I'm in the bathroom after the match, and I'm like fucking cleaning the shit off, getting ready for the, to be Matt Wild and do like my other match, and uh, I get called over the curtain, and I'm told that her her mother's there, and her mom's like, can you come out and talk to her? She's so devastated you wouldn't talk to her. I said it's because I was a different character, and the mom's like. Oh, but she doesn't understand that. Is there any way you could fix this? I said, you know what? Go back and comfort her. I'll take care of it. And so I rush back. I get cleaned up. I wash my hair out, right? I don't get dressed into the Matt Wild gear. I get dressed into street gear. And I throw all my stuff into the bag. And I sneak out the back door of the, of the arena and run all the way the fuck around the building and come in the front door carrying my gear because Matt Wilde's from Philadelphia, we're in Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. I just got off the fucking plane and just showed up to the show. Aww. I had to play that off. So Yeah, so she would believe that the Apostle and Matt Wilde were two completely different people. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> Nicely that, done! That is really good, so I don't sit here and lie, man. That's fucking awesome. That's fucking awesome. But that's what you do in the independent circuit to try to to try even for that one fan. Even for that one fan, so you'll one go to fan, those yeah, the one person you know that is a button to seat. The one person you know that's a button to seat next week. You have to make sure that you're not the one who tells them Santa Claus ain't real. You can't be that guy, and so you have to keep the work going. And yeah, that's a, that's a good job, man. That is some shit. Just to run back into the back again and put my gear back on. <laughs> that is 
Shit hey, right man, it, 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 that, that's a little thing called dedication, and even though you had to go the extra mile on that, it was an extra mile well done, dude. Very, I applaud that greatly. It's, but it's what you got to do, and you know what? Again, just like just like Rudder was saying, it's a lost art because I don't think a lot of the the, the this generation uh, of independent people or, or wrestlers in general, I especially don't think anybody in the WWE or or fucking AEW will do it. But I, I too many people now believe their own gimmicks, believe their own bullshit that they wouldn't go that extra mile for one eight year old kid. You know, other uh, with the exception of Moxley and Jericho and Dustin yep. and Cody, you're probably a hundred percent right. But those four, they get it because they grew up that way. Right. And Jericho is very much a product of his own headlines and press clippings, and he's capitalizing on that in the right way right now to make himself look like such a pretentious jerk, which he's done three or four other times during his career. But those are the four that could definitely carry Kate. It's the it's the other ninety six guys on the roster who don't allow don't give them the opportunity to do it because they don't participate or understand how Kate works. Um, I would also give it to um, Darby Allen. I mean, he's a younger kid, but him following around them and everything, I think, has really helped him up his game because nobody really knows what he's like on the outside of um, outside of pro wrestling. I know he used to be like a skater or something like that, but like he's so into his character, you're just like he's so fucking mysterious. Like he's always got the damn face paint on, even when he's not working. When he's not working. Yeah, he's always living his gimmick. He's doing it twenty four seven, and you know that's what it takes. That's the character who always gets over. That's the character who always has a long career in the promotion, or the guy who's able to get you know the clout backstage to be able to get the strap. And headline some shows. It's always that guy who's always lived it because everybody else in the locker room has to give the guy fucking respect. You can't doubt that guy because he lives his character. Those are the guys who always <laughs> over in the long run. If he's in it for ten years, you know, I mean, he's going to become another household name. Uh, right now, he's doing the right thing. He's laying the groundwork and he's he's living that character. And uh, you know, I mean, he's definitely got all the potential in the world, but. Time of tells if they let him keep that character and let him keep living it for another five years, he's going to be as big as, you know, I'm not going to like go out on a limb and say anything crazy, but he's going to be as big as a lot of people have ever been, you know, just because he's living it. He has the potential to be the next thing. Well, the thing, the thing is, is I think, I think uh, one of the big points that that Rudder's saying, and I agree with, and. And I, I tried to have it in my own career as, as minor as my career was to, to everybody else's is, and I, I've seen this with a lot of people uh, who break into the business, they give themselves a gimmick or they're given a gimmick that has a, for lack of a better term, it has a shelf life. There's only so much growth and expansion you can give that character or that gimmick before it becomes stale. And I think yep. longevity. transparent. Yeah. I think longevity in the wrestling career, like uh, to you again, to use my own career as an example, I played outside of the Thirteenth Apostle, which was just an alternate gimmick. I played Matt Wilde for all twenty of the years I was in the business. His name changed up a little bit. His personality changed up a little bit here or there. He evolved throughout his career, but he was the same character for twenty years, and that was why because he was able to evolve. His story was able to change. 
Too many people come up with a gimmick like uh, I'm the Terminator. Okay. You're not kidding. Our local guys have a guy that's basically the Trump supporter. It's like how much are they going to get out of this? Oh, they're doing the Kobe Covington thing. Uh, There's a guy in UFC who's doing that. They're just kind of copying off of him a little bit. He comes in with the Magna hat. His uh-huh. face is orange, and it's like, yeah, you're, it's getting old. <laughs> and and it's it's going to kill his career. It, That's too topical of a of a character. Yeah, that that won't last long. But he might be able to get some. He might be able to get some the box office office out of it for a little bit. And and that that that's that's my point is that if you want a long a long gated career, nobody's going to remember. Chris Rudder. Nobody's going to remember Christopher Stolle. They're going to remember the gimmicks we were, you know, in, in the wrestling uh, wrestling world. So if you want that 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 memory and you want that longevity, you have to create a persona that has the ability to change and evolve with the times. And if you don't, uh, and it has to be close to the tone as well. All mm-hmm. the characters who have had the, like the real long career and the epic storylines and everything, they're playing someone who's so close to the bone that they're it's not second nature anymore. It's just who they are. They turn it on when the cameras are on. You know, they turn the turn the volume up to ten. But Ric Flair is always fucking Ric Flair. Jerry Lawler is always Jerry Lawler. Right, but at the so, same at the same time, Mark Calloway isn't the Undertaker, so you can go the opposite no. end of the of the, uh, the world too. Yeah, but he adopted adopted that in a way that is very much like him. Like, in behind the scenes, he's a very stoic, quiet motherfucker. And right. if he says something, it means something. And that's kind of what the Undertaker is. No, you're right. And, that. and the closest the the character of the Undertaker was ever to Mark Calloway was actually the American Badass gimmick. You American know. Badass, which had its shortest run. Yeah, but. Had its short had its shortest run, but but well, it was it was literally Mark Holloway being Mark Holloway. Yeah, that was the one time he was able to be himself. Lady, himself. That was kind of sad. <laughs> the rest of the time he's himself in costume, right? You know, but it's still kind of the same point. You know, um, he he didn't have the luxury of coming in and be handed the character or creating the character like Stone Cold did. You know, going from the ringmaster to Stone Cold, but you know, Ric Flair didn't come in the business that way either. He wanted to be fucking rambling Cody uh, uh, Rusty Rhodes. He wanted to be like Dusty Rhodes' little fucking brother. And Dusty was like, no, nah, man, you ain't fucking doing that. Be Ric Flair. You know, so. That's ironic. <laughs> yeah. Daddy, that's why he is who he is. He's the nature boy. He was a huge fanboy of Dusty's whenever he first broke into the business and, like, fucking followed everything Dusty did. That's the reason during the 80s, whenever they did the Flair for the Gold, it was like a two-year run that they did, uh, uh, culminating in the huge pay-per-view in South Carolina where they were trying to compete with the first WrestleMania. The reason those two worked together so well during the 80s is because whenever Flair broke in, he was a huge mark for Dusty. And Dusty, like, fucking put all kinds of knowledge on him. So whenever they did get to have that chance to wrestle as the main event of those cards, they knew each other backwards and forwards. If you watch all of those matches, from the, it's like 130 matches they did before the paper. 
It's like 130 matches they did before the pay-per-view. There's a few spots that are changed. There's a few turns that are changed. There's a few finishes that are changed. But every match is almost exactly identical because they knew each other so fucking well. And if a spot didn't go well, the recovery was exactly the same as it was 10 matches ago. Like That is like wrestling history 101. For anybody who's breaking it, all of these new guys, if they don't know that story or they don't know those matches inside and out, they're never going to fucking make it. I promise you. Oh, when I was when I was a trainer, when I was a trainer, I used to tell people to uh, one of the best matches to watch. Uh, you know, especially when I was talking about like chaining and how important chaining was, I would tell them to watch WrestleMania 12, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. For oh, best matches. Of oh God, yes. Yeah. Twenty-five minutes, not one bump was 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 made. It was all chain work, and they kept the crowd involved. You could tell a story with chain it work. Ca- it was all catch, and it was all chain, and it was like fucking just beautiful. That's one of the most beautifully wrestled matches of the of modern times mm-hmm. of the WrestleMania era, era at least. You know, that's probably one of the five best technically performed matches there ever was. You know, and, you know, like what uh, I used to tell the same thing to people about like uh, tag teams when because uh, that's a lost art. And that's something we could talk about is tag teams. It really much. It really it, is it really, though? Is it really? It's still two individuals tagging Local. together as opposed to an actual cohesive unit team. Locally, we a lot of our ta- tag teams are permanently together. That's how they work. My my what I like to call my boys is a tag team that's always together. That at local circuits they're doing tag team. Well, I, I know that. I mean, like, but but under, understand what I mean. Like, even in even in the big time in the E and the A uh, AWE or AEW, whatever, you know, uh, Impact, you don't get the 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 Road Warriors. You don't get uh, Demolition. You don't get uh, uh, the Brain Busters. You get <laughs> Cody Rhodes Name and that. you get Cody Rhodes. Name the last tag team you thought that was like the Midnight Express or Rock and Roll Express. Name a tag team who's like them. Recently. Well, there's a reason why I don't watch the national. I stay with the local because the local's more entertaining. Well, the the the, the, the last. I'm going to say in defense though of AEW though. What about Private Party? The Young Bucks. You got Dark Order, aka they used to be called the Super Smash Bros. You got the Lucha Bros and AAA. I mean, there are tag teams. That are they're really trying to bring back the tag team scene. Well, the good. I hope they do. Yeah, the Young Bucks are the closest to like the classic Midnight or Midnight Express or Rock and Roll Express. They're the closest thing to that. That's what I'm saying. Like, get bring back, bring back, uh, bring back the 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 colossus colossalness of, of the tag team divisions, where you had uh, so many different uh, teams, like. The Hollywood Blondes, fucking DX, the Rockers, uh, fucking the Hart Foundation. Like, this was the golden age of tag team, and I think that's a lost art. I'm, I'm glad AEW's looking at it. I know the independent circuit's trying to do it or, or trying to keep it alive, but it, it really is a lost art in the mainstream that needs to come back. And I don't mean just throwing two people together as a tag I, team in a division. I mean gimmicks look alike they work cohesively they have one name for the fucking team not stone cold and Shawn michaels it's it's you know uh cold heart just just for the sake of argument that's the team's name cold heart you know i think the best way to describe what you're there's the best friends 
Um, if you go to Japan, they got Rapongi Vice, uh, Rapongi 3K out there. Um, of course, the Golden Lovers were a popular chat team before they split up. Um, Motor Machine, uh, the Murder City Machine Guns, or the Motor City Machine Guns. Um, there's one I love that's called uh, the Death Threat Army. That's actually Independence. I mean, there's some motherfucking tag teams out here. There, there is, but again, I'm there, talking. I'm talking to the, the mainstream. Nation. I'm talking to the mainstream more than the independents. That's more WWE. Stuff. The WWE, they got tag teams, but they keep on fucking it up. I put my random tag teams together to headline the fucking show instead of actually letting tag teams actually put in work. Like for instance, here's a good example. Like for instance, they got Bobby Fish and uh, Kyle O'Reilly in NXT, right? They're not. They're in the independent scene. They're known as Red Dragon. They're a good example of a good tag team that they've actually kept together. I will say that. All right, fair, fair enough. Well, so let me I, I let me ask you this. Describe what Chris is. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Rudder. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Because he was he was trying to get that point across, and I keep interrupting him. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I think the best way to get the point across on what you're talking about is there was a time that the only way to be an independent or a singles star was you had to succeed as a tag team guy and you had to be part of a tag team and that's how single stars got their launch like Shawn Michaels, like Bret Hart, uh, Ric Flair whenever he first came up he was a tag team wrestler him and Kim Patera they wrestled together in the old AWA they were a powerhouse team they were like power bodybuilder uh, powerlifter guys uh, um, there's so many of these. Uh, that's like a bygone thing where now they take single stars and make a good combination out of it. It used to be the other way around. To become a single star, you had to be a good tag team wrestler. I mean, I mean, I would say people that basically kind of still kind of fall that in a way just because of the fact they had to prove themselves. I mean, Jeff Hardy, he had to prove himself to be a solo champion. Yes, we know he's fucked up a lot. We know he's Jeff Hardy has a problem. But he's a good, but he's a good example of being a tag for so long. Same thing with um, Bob Ray from um, the Dudley Boys. He's actually a world champion in other uh, promotions as Bully Ray. So I mean, there's still key guys that did it. I mean, thing was with the Blade Runners with our uh, Multiple Warrior at one point. So I mean, there were most that come from that old school that actually did have a successful career being single. Um, single stars, but you know, but that took them, yeah, I agree, becoming a tag team um, player first. Well, I got a, I got a, I got a question, and you, you uh, Rudder, you brought it up your, yourself, and I'm going to pitch it to everybody here, because I want to get everybody's opinion on it. Um, I myself have even been okay. a, been a, a part of this uh, with uh, with Youth Gone Wild. We, we were a tag team, uh, and then later on we wound up becoming a six-man team. And we were six-man champions for uh, AWFR, which is uh, America's uh, Wrestling Fundraisers. Um, should there be a, and uh, a return to, in all formats, whether it's the mainstream down to the independents, a return of the six-man circuit? Yes. I mean, Ring of Honor still has six-man titles. The only people, the only team that I've seen is legitimately a good like six-man team, though. Is um, Villain Enterprises. All right. That's the last like legitimate team besides like you know the elite with uh, Cody. You know, that was like they're like the only team I've seen right now 
that has a trio's tag titles that makes it believable that they're a cohesive six man. And that's with like PCO, Marty Scroll, and I think Flip Gordon. All right, so that's Anthony. Anybody else? Outside of the fabulous Freebirds, name a great six six man tag group. Youth gone wild. <laughs> New, New Day's a three man, not a six. Well, man. yeah, but they're called a six man because it's a three man tag team. Yeah, six six man means three on okay. three. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, I was right, uh, I was gonna say locally we we have that and it's actually a good time to watch. Oh yeah, I love watching six man matches. If they do it well, it is definitely a great show. Like the fabulous Freebirds, they were the greatest show in the fucking world. Like Michael Hayes, he sold out the fucking New Orleans Superdome whenever he was nineteen with with uh, Gordy and fucking uh, what's his face. I mean, those guys like you couldn't beat that show. But like, there's two people that you're able. To, there's two groups that you're able to name now that maybe are in the same stratosphere as the fa- fabulous Freebirds. Well, nobody, I nobody's in the same stratosphere. True. That that's like that's like saying name a name a name a band that's as close to Led Zeppelin. You'll never do it because nobody's close to Led Zeppelin. It's nobody's close to the Freebirds. I think that's the answer to the question. Throw your Pink Floyd. I'm fine. I love Floyd, but <laughs> go ahead. I'm just kidding. I would probably say, uh, the, really, honestly, the only six-man team I know is uh, the New Day. Right, but we're not talking. We're not talking about teams you know. We're we're saying should it should there be a resurgence of the six-man division? Should from independent circuit to the mainstream should should there should there be a return of the six-man division? Bring back a six-man tag team title. I say yes. Yeah. I say okay. yes, for if nothing else, to give the New Day more people to fight. <laughs> That's the problem. That's the reason you can't bring it back as like a main, main, main event thing. Like, how many people can New Day beat up as a six man? Like, there's not that many groups you could well, put together without emptying the roster and then beating everyone. Well, can can we be can we be real for well, a minute? Uh, can we be real about the New Day for a minute? If a, if a six man division came around and they and they started putting together decent six man teams. New Day would become the job joke, like they were originally uh, intended to be. I mean, come on. Yeah, they were originally intended to be that. <laughs> but that's just it, though. You think about it, though. Have you seen some of their matches, especially like the Usos or something, man? Like, Dude, how many times the New Day wins? They're just entertaining. I'm not saying they're not entertaining. I'm saying if you if 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 you're building a vision just to give the New Day somebody to beat up on, it's going to backfire. New Day's going to become the jobbers. Because they're a, they're a, they're an entertaining comedy gimmick. They're they were never really intended to be a serious thing. But that's just it, though. You got to realize though. One thing I like about them is they can switch it up. They'll be goofy as fuck in their promos, right? But at the same time, you've also seen them beat the fuck out of people too, and really let them have it. True that. Right, but I'm saying like if you if you put the I new day. Let me let me let me throw this as an example. Saying. I know it's two different generations, but let me let me throw this as an example. If you were to throw in a match, a six man match of New Day versus Demolition. Okay, that's just not fucking fair, sir. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> that's the point. Yeah. That's just a whole different era. But actually to to uh, Stoli's point is if if you were going to try to build a division, making New Day the jobbers is actually the way to do it. That's the work. They got a loser house party for that. Leave New Day alone. 
<laughs> Lucha House Party, I forgot that they're even a thing. I'm just, I'm just saying. Guys, though, because they are so dope. They were so dope with Mexico on the independence. This is really fucking up the fucking Lucha Libre guys right now. I I'm just saying, the day, the, day New, the day New Day walked out to the Dragon Zord theme, they had me sold. <laughs> the fact that they walked out in fucking Dragon Ball Z here out of a big Thank you. studio... <laughs> that, I was like, all right well let me for, let me for any of you that are uh, uh generational like wrestling fans like if you're legacy fans and you know wrestling history from the 80s and whatnot like do you think it's any coincidence that the new day's booking agent was actually michael psa whenever they first started was it really i didn't oh, even yes. i didn't know that that I, that's that's entertaining Yes, that is that is a fact. So I I think that there's it took a master to be able to create something in a different mold that's basically a replica of what he did in the 70s and 80s, uh, just in a you know in a new in a new format, and he tried it several different times. That's what Edge and Christian were whenever they first came out with the Brood. That was Michael PFA's trying to create another Freebird Freebirds unit, and you know obviously the Brood didn't work out, but Edge and Christian survived. And uh, yep. uh, the New Day was another iteration of that. And those were all uh, driven by my PSA. I want to say this, though, uh, to the brood. Gangrel is one of the most underrated fucking wrestlers ever. No, not really. He he was underrated in WWE. But Vampire Warrior in the independent circuits and shit was a beast. He was, and he was loved. And I'm not going to lie. He, he does a mean Tiger suplex. I'm not gonna sit here and lie. Like the man He's a hell of a worker, man. Period. He had a lot of respect from all the boys. Mm -hmm. Just the gimmick didn't go over. Look, Gangrel, Gangrel was a joke in the WWE because Vince McMahon didn't know how to use him. Vampire Warrior was a fucking beast in the indie circuit. Nobody would say he was ever underrated. Oh uh, well, shit! I feel like he's very underrated because, like, I, <laughs> this is coming from me as a young kid. I didn't get the gimmick at first. And then I thought about it as I got older. I was just like, you know what? That motherfucker could go in the motherfucking ring. What the fuck was this doing? Yeah, I, and that's just another example of a lot of mishandled talents that Vince McMahon has, has done. You know, whenever uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling first brought out Batista as the Leviathan, that gimmick was unstoppable. And then they bring him in and they had... They, they feel the need to pair him up with Ric Flair and Triple H. He didn't need any of that fucking shit as the Leviathan. As the Leviathan, he would have came in and fucking mopped the deck with Ric Flair and Triple H. But they paired him up with it, and it immediately fucking weakened him, and it gave him like a really fucked up gimmick that it drove him out of the company. At the end of it, he just wasn't able to do it anymore. He was tired of it. I, I don't know. I'm not going to say Evolution was fucking cool, though. I thought it was cool if you didn't know him as Leviathan, and it was cool if you didn't ever see the Four Horsemen. Well, I mean, I loved, I loved it because, like, I, I watched OVW like Saturday nights and shit. So, like, I knew who the fuck he was. Hell, I knew who John Cena was. He was a prototype before. Uh huh. Um, no, good he, he was a fucking cruiserweight. <laughs> let me, let me, let me ruin hearts of Cena fans. He was a cruiserweight. <laughs> That yeah, boy wore a yellow amazing. fucking singlet and flew off the fucking rope like a Mexican jumping bean. He used to have talent. Oh, yeah. That's what years of high-quality Mexican supplements do for you. That's oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> John used to be able to do Lucha Libre, a technical wrestling. He, I remember watching the old Sunday night match with him. 
That motherfucker was wrestling. He was standing for wrestling. I was like, where the fuck is this Cena? Does, does, does he does he count as a uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe career redemption? Yes. Not yet, but he might. Because of what happened with the Bray Wyatt Funhouse match over su- on Sunday, I, I think Bray, Bray Wyatt won. So that, I think uh, you're actually hitting on something there. I think Bray is like the current rendition of Vince McMahon fucking up a talent. He's like lost his way completely with what to do with Bray. And The Fiend is like a very cool thing. Doing the Funhouse thing is so fucking stupid, but The Fiend rocks. See, you bring up you bring up See, a great point when we were talking about the six man. When we were talking about the six man, I was trying to think of Bray Wyatt and his family mentality when he had yeah, uh, the family. Yeah, the oh, the, man, the other the two with the with the fucking goat mask and shit. They they would have been stomping the shit out of New Day. I don't understand. That's just it though. They had a few with New Day, and they actually did kick New Day's ass. Like they had basically like a best of five for like a couple months. And that's, and that's where the business has changed. That goes back to my previous point of back in the day, you had to establish yourself as a tag team star to get a shot to be a single. And uh, nowadays, Vince McMahon is using the tag team setup as a vehicle to establish a single star. And the entire time that Bray and the family Look, the were together and they were whipping New Day's ass and anybody else they put in front of them, Vince could not wait to make Bray a single star. So they completely broke it up, and they didn't let it really have its natural run. They could have had the title two or three times, had huge feuds that finished at WrestleMania, and then break out Bray as a single star. But he couldn't fucking wait. So it's another example of him fucking up a good talent. And well, here's, Bray's going to put five years in limbo. Well, here's, here's a perfect example of it. Here's a perfect example of it, and it's another six-man team that would have dominated the shit, and New Day wouldn't have existed if, if the six-man division was around and you had Bray Wyatt's family versus The Shield. Game the Shield. on. They did have that feud, though. That was a fun Yes, they did. But that was they the did. second rendition of The Shield, not the first. I'm talking. I'm talking the original rendition. I'm talking the original rendition of the Shield, the ultimate badasses that just pe- appeared out of the out of the uh, crowd out of nowhere. You would uh, and and again and again. What the Shield is a perfect yeah. example of it, of what Chris is talking about, where Vince rushes out town to be singles. Look at how Roman's Re- Reigns career <clears throat> is now. But nobody had an issue with Roman during the Shield era because the Shield was a dominating force. Now you create a division around that dominating force, and you give them a feud of like somebody like Bray Wyatt's family. Your division's set. I'm sorry, there's no room for New Day. And that's that's the truth. I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not again. This is not knocking the guys a New Day. This is not knocking their talent. It's just you got those two powerhouses. New Day's number three all day. I am going to say this, though, because like, one thing the Shield has over New Day is everybody on that team is a Triple Crown champion in one way or another. Like Everybody's a Triple And that's just placement and politics to an extent. That That's placement and politics to an extent. But you do have a point because they were all looked at as such single stars with potential that they got given the, the Triple Crown. Whenever Vince puts you over and puts a strap on you, that's that's acknowledging your talent and your potential more than anything else. So the fact that all four of them got the triple crown and only one person a new day has tells you a lot about what Vince thinks. 
And, and it screams. It scream. It screams extra volume that it was uh, that it was Kofi Kingston that got put over from the New Day for it, because Vince loves his big guys. If anybody would have been put over in a New Day in typical Vince fashion, it would have been uh, Big E. It, it would have. Well, so I think there's a lot of things playing a part in that. A, uh, you know, you're making a move to have an African American champion, so it has to break the mold, kind of. So right. that's the reason he went with him, but I think, oh my god, you know, and, and I so you know that's the reason he went away from the big big guy because Big E obviously would be his natural. See, I kind of argued that 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 Kofi but was the first African American. No, I kind of first African American, no, 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 but for for WWE because Dwayne is part black, Dwayne the Rock. Uh, you guys are forgetting Tony Atlas. No, 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 no. I'm saying he's the first African-born champion. He was born in Africa. That's a- Yeah, he is actually yeah, African. African. Yeah, born. that's right. And, and um, but uh, the um, Xavier is actually the one guy who's like the real hardcore wrestling traditionalist out of the entire group. And it's funny how he's so overlooked and never gets any sh- single shine because he's the one guy who does love kayfabe he's the one guy who does love the old traditions he's the guy who came up the hard way and the long way and the other guys were uh were put on uh so it's kind of kind of weird there but uh, i think he had to go with kofi because he was breaking the mold so to speak so he had to choose somebody and it was right on the heels of daniel bryant who was a small champ too i mean i'll say say this too because like Xavier Woods is actually one of the reasons why Kofi got his WrestleMania moment. Kofi, when it comes down to it, Xavier is actually the brains behind the new day. Like, he literally put his career on the line. If they could not pull the shit off, he said, you can fire me. Did you know that, yeah, did no, you know that Xavier right. Woods is actually the only Ph.D. to ever have wrestled in the WWE? He legitimately has a Ph.D. Incorrect. George the Animal Steel has a has a PhD in psychology. Get the fuck out of here, George the Animal Steel. Yes, he does. But what's what's the other one's PhD? I thought he had a. I thought he had a, thought he had a master's. PhD, I didn't know he had the PhD. Okay, yeah. that's. Cool. I don't, now, when he was wrestling, maybe he only had a master's. But when he was uh, in the independent circuit, when I met him in GWA, he had his full PhD, and it blew oh, my wow. fucking mind that George the Animal Steel was more intelligent than I could ever be. Intellectual person, man. He, he's actually a, a mastermind kind of guy. He is. Like whenever he was working in the WWE, he uh, actually uh, was sitting in on a lot of the sessions with uh, uh, Vince and the Stooges whenever they were setting up, you know, all the booking. George was involved with some of that stuff during the 80s. He's one of the guys that helped put together the Hulk Hogan, Bob Backlund thing. George was part of that. He and wrote that book. Actually, I've got another six-man team for everybody, but we still got to get back to getting everybody else's opinion about the six-mans, too. But I got another six-man team for you that would have dominated had they been around today to do it because they were dominating back in the day. Triple threat. Michael Bacazella, George Cassidy, and Joey Ryan. Okay. But like I said, triple threat. Shane Douglas, Chris Candino, and uh, fucking Justin Credible. That would be very good, but I have one that's a little bit better for you, and it's more old school. Good. Jerry, Jerry Lawler, Austin Idol, and Jimmy Valiant. There you go. <laughs> if, if, okay, that's a fucking star 
Now, it, it, do all of you know who Austin Idol is? I know the name. I don't no, remember I the character. I don't know any of these okay, people. Okay, so one of the things that's very misunderstood nowadays, and like old school, like like I'm I'm older than you are, Chris, and and um, not by people much. who are like not by a whole lot, but um, like I've been around wrestling. Like my friends, they own the Coliseum where Jerry Lawler and all the guys came in, and I was going backstage with those guys from the time I was eight years old and up. So, um, um, Austin Idol, if you pull up his Memphis Days promos and then pull up The Rock whenever he was the people's champion and play them side by side, you will now know where The Rock came up with that persona. Hmm. Oh, it's a, direct, it's a direct play off of Austin Idol. How he talked, how he did his promos, how he worked in the ring – because Rocky, his dad, Rocky Johnson, wrestled in Memphis for years. So Rocky knew Austin Idol while he was growing up, and he thought Austin, Austin the heartthrob, was the baddest motherfucker to ever walk the planet. He thought he was better than Flair, and he worshipped Austin Idol. And whenever you look at his transformation, whenever he goes to being becoming the people's champ, and you look at the old promos of Austin Idol, you'll see a white version. And a darker version of the exact same fucking character. Well, let me let me blow let me blow the marks into Smarks' minds here for a minute, and just remind them that everybody within the wrestling business, every single person, oh well, with the exception of maybe Sid Moody, uh, every single person within the wrestling business is a mark. We were all fans of pro wrestling at some point. All fans. Everybody we was all, a mark. Begin we all had at least one guy. That we grew up watching that was the inspiration for the character we would become and the in-ring persona that we would become in some way, shape, or form. Myself, I can tell you right now, Chris Jericho, Rob Van Dam, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels created Matt Wilde. He was completely based on those four people. And... Everybody else has that same person. There is nothing new in the wrestling industry because all of us are trying to be like the people we admire growing up. True. Yep, agree with that 100%. <laughs> I mean, this is Anthony Anthem. Anthony Anthem has been one of the greatest to ever step into the podcast world. Some people want to stand that they cannot lace up the size 15 boots that I wear every day when I go into this arena. That is why you will always smell what Anthem is cooking. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that went horribly wrong. Okay, horribly that did. This, this is the, <laughs> Anthony just became one of those people that we would never allow to have the stick. <laughs> you get a manager just so you don't talk. You become you become fucking uh, fuck. What 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 the fuck was his name? Black dude with the moon on his fucking uh, stomach and the stars on his on his tits. Yeah, the great Kamala, Umaga. the great Kamala. Um, you, you become Umaga or yeah, or Kamala. Yeah, he was a Memphis uh, starter actually too. And um, uh, yeah. <laughs> You get a handler, Anthony. <laughs> you get Mr. Fuji. <laughs> you don't get the stick no more. You get somebody else. You get Harvey Whippleman. <laughs> oh, Jesus. God damn it. I'm getting Jimmy Hart. 
I am getting Jimmy Hart, damn it. I <laughs> <laughs> see. I could have. I need that. My. I need that. Must be. That's Did you know that until like 2002 or whatever, Jimmy Hart wrote and composed most of the entry music for like 90% of the WWE stars? Yes, he did. Yep. Makes sense. He's talented. Heartbreak Kid, Bret Hart, all of that stuff. He did. Because he's Jimmy Hart. (laughs) Oh, man. So anyway, uh... Dusty and, and 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 UA, you guys still have to to weigh in weigh in on the six man debacle. I, I weighed in first. I weighed in first. But I did weigh in first. I said I, that's one of my favorite things they do locally. It's when they do the nine man. I can't, I get turned off. Right, but the question was, uh, should there be a resurgence even in the mainstream of a six man division? I say so. If it's this much fun in the non mainstream, why not have it in the big one? All right, that's fair. Uh, don't do for, don't do nine man. I hate nine man. <laughs> no, now you're just creating so, battle royals. <laughs> that's what happened. Exactly. The, the last one we had was nine man, and it was just too confusing. I, I went to the bathroom. Oh. I think in every the old days they called that a ta- uh, Texas tornado death match, uh, but um, I don't know. <laughs> Is there anything else we could do for a fucking death match? I literally saw a fucking DCW death match that was in Japan just a couple months ago. But these motherfuckers took a whole bunch of competing guys, dumped them on a board, and then body slammed one of the Japanese wrestlers onto the fucking board, took the competing knife, and I literally saw his fucking skin accordion. Hey, Anthony, what's going on with your mic, bro? That's a good question. He was, was sitting on it again. Saw- I, I literally, yeah, so that way you can just crack my ass. Anyway. So, so you can hear him talking I shit. Saw, I saw somebody put boards down, put a whole bunch of sashimi knives together, glue it onto the fucking board, then fucking sidewalk slammed the fucking Japanese dude on it from um from um Big Japan Wrestling. I saw his fucking skin accordion. I was like, okay, we're going too fucking far with these dead matches. Yeah, I've, I've said that for a while, dude. Like, I stopped doing hardcore because it was getting out of control. And this is coming from a guy who used to Ever light his arm on fire. To, my, uh, This is a guy who used to light his arm on fire to give a flying clothesline. You know, it was an elbow pad, but still, you know. And, elbow pads are expensive. I don't know how you did that every fucking time. No, it was very simple. I... I I uh, put an elbow pad on. I had an elbow pad on through the whole entire match, and I would grab lighter fluid and and get the inner crook of my arm wet with the lighter fluid, light it up, and then when I went to get the clothesline, of course, the fire's behind my arm, right? So it never touches my opponent, and it's not touching me, but I had to be fast enough that as soon as I lit it, I come off, you know, give the clothesline, and then pull the fucking arm pad off before it burns through the arm pad and starts actually burning me. That was How the key. Arm pads got didn't it? It, it got expensive, yeah. <laughs> it had to get expensive. The arm pads have never been cheap. Yeah, it get, say, got a little expensive. No, your ass is going through several pads a fucking weekend doing that shit. No, that was that was only that was only for uh, for hardcore matches. I didn't do it all the time, but I mean, 
even that, even sitting back now, like back then, I just I cared about the holy shit chance. So right on, let's let's do it. Sitting back on it now, it's like that was a really dumb fucking idea for twenty five dollars. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna just go ahead and throw away part of my fucking paycheck to go ahead and do this shit. <laughs> you know, and I think I think that's where hardcore is gone. Is everybody's trying to beat ECW in the in the, in the uh, American circuits, and everybody else is trying to keep up with fucking you know sl- uh, Kings to the Death Match back in the day. You know, Dory Funk and 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 fucking uh, Cactus Jack and you Cactus know Jack, losing your fucking ear. Yeah, you know, trying to keep up with that shit that has just escalated the fuck out of it. I won't. If ECW I, always trying to, ECW always trying to work their high spots, every single show. Like, how can you come back and do it again whenever you dove off the third balcony onto a table? How can you come back next week and do it again or top that? Or how can anybody uh, else who follows you on the card follow that? Actually, you know, whenever you're doing uh, that from the second match to the mid card, what's the main event supposed to do? That was a horrible precedent, and I think that's why. Part of the reason ECW lost its steam so quickly. Well, Can we talk about the fact that the scaffolding match with um, New Jack, and I forgot who the other fucking person was. Um, well, anything with New Jack was dangerous. <laughs> yeah, he was a legitimate killer, man. That's what I'm saying. He was one of the most dangerous. I was, I was looking into the um, Dark Side of the Ring series. I've been watching the shit, right? Oh, on YouTube? Who the fuck thought of that shit? Uh, on YouTube, the 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 vice uh, the vice thing, Dark Side of, yeah. of, of the Ring. So I just watched I just question, watched uh, fucking Chris Benoit's shit. That was fucking dark as shit. That's really dark as fuck. I, I, I cried during the, the Benoit shit. I ain't gonna even. I cried like a bitch, man. Can answer Anthony's question. Where did the scaffolding match come from? Is that what you're asking? Who the fuck came up with that dangerous ass match? Jerry Lawler and uh, Cornette came up with that. Whenever the Midnight Express was wrestling in Memphis, they came up with the scaffold match that uh, Jim Cornette was supposed to end up on. And uh, one of the other iterations of it was whenever uh, Jerry Lawler broke uh, Paul E. Dangerously's uh, jaw because he did not work the finish. He was supposed to drop off the scaffold. But that match actually originated in Memphis. It's it's uh, it's had a few different iterations of it. The first one was with Jerry Lawler and Jackie Fargo in 1974. Damn, you just got schooled, son. I got all kinds of knowledge on this, bro. <laughs> I didn't even know where the fuck the match came from. That shit was so fucking dangerous. And then when I saw the New Jack match... Jim Cornette blew out both of his knees, dropping from that at the Chicago... At the Chi-Town Street Fight. I think this was in 1987 or 88. The Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express. The, the gimmick was he was going to hang from the scaffolding and drop. And if he if they lost the match with him dropping off the scaffold, he was supposed to have his head shaved. And they did not realize that the mat, that the scaffold was so much higher than what Jim Cornette thought it was going to be. Whenever he agreed to do the work, uh, he blew out both of his knees. Like Cornette has never been the same ever since. Was there even any tables or anything? Oh, they weren't even doing tables back then. No, it was like an actual uh, uh, construction site scaffolding setup that they had set up in the middle of the ring. See, see, you motherfucking wrestlers be doing some dangerous shit sometimes. I don't understand y'all motherfuckers sometimes. I understand y'all be trying to get 
famous as shit. Motherfucker, can't Man, it's all about the ring rats and the merch, man. That's all that matters. I, I, but, but you know what's funny? You know what's funny about it, though, is all the high spots that you're talking about, and again, I'll use my own career as an example, um, all the high spots and shit like that, like a tables match, people have escalated it so far out of the way that it's actually reinverted on itself that you could have a tables match. Like, you can go on YouTube right now and see uh, uh, me defending my uh, inter-regional title in, in RMCW against uh, Rob Ryzen in a tables match. And it's a 15, 16 minute match. You only see the table for four minutes out of that match. We didn't bring it in. We had a normal wrestling match, and people appreciated that. The table didn't come in until it was time to, to false end the, the match to the final ending of the match. We didn't have to go yeah, out of so control. You're, you're working to finish with the table, but the rest of it's an actual actual job. Yeah, that's good. You know, and I think I think wrestling's starting to realize that, and even in the independent circuits where people want to do hardcore, but the hardcore, like first off. The idea of hardcore for the sake of hardcore is stupid. Okay, it worked for ECW because it was new and original when when ECW. It, it, it worked for ECW when ECW first came out because ECW was new and original. It was something different. But in the normal fields, it's got to be a slow burn story that leads up to this being the finale. The final match in a feud should be a hardcore match because that's where you've, you've tried every other means and now it's just you got to bloody the shit out of each other. That's how hardcore should be yeah, used. Yeah, whether it's the cage or whatever, yeah. Right. Exactly. I see that. I, I, I agree. You know? Less is more, and, and, and that is definitely true with wrestling, and, and hopefully it's something that they find again. But the beauty of a backdrop or even a sunset flip, or an arm drag. Uh, the beauty of that actually being worked technically right and working as chain and catch wrestling the way it's supposed to be done, a 15-minute uh, match having you know 25 sets of moves in it instead of 10 high spots. Whenever we get back to the 25 sets of moves instead of all high spots, it's going to be a much better show. And that's something maybe Ring of Honor is hanging on to, and AEW is to a very small extent because, you know, Cody and uh, you know he's very grandiose with uh, what he's doing. But uh, they have uh, the potential to do it way more than WWE. They're never going to be able to get back to that. That's so far gone for them. It's all showbiz. But all, uh, Ring of Honor and AEW, they have the potential to get there again, and the fans will not revolt. They will not lose fans over it because it's a much more beautiful match. It's more well worked. It's 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 a, a lot more, um, uh, whatever the word is. It's it's just a a, a lot more um, better to watch. It, it just really is. Whenever you have a scientifically executed match that's chain after chain after chain instead of high spot after high spot because you can't fucking you can't do that all the time without everybody seeing through it. Right. And again, you're 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 losing the aspect of what the move or the story means when you're doing high spot after high spot after high spot. If everybody does a leg drop, why is Hogan's the one that's uh, that's the special one? Is the mentality? Why is it still a finish? Yeah, exactly, it's going right? it's going back to a previous conversation that we had during I think the last episode of this of some people's signature moves 
the, it, the signature move is supposed to be the end of the match. It's supposed to be something grand. It's supposed to be something that not everyone is able to do. What the hell was so impressive about Hulk Hogan's goddamn leg drop? Well, that, that, that's the same mentality for storytelling within the ring. If you're going to high spot after high spot after high spot, why is yours special then to everybody else's? If I fin if I finish right. with a you know, with a you lose the momentum. Exactly. If if I'm finishing my feud with, with UA with a hardcore match and Rudder is a hardcore wrestler and that's all he does, every match he does is hardcore, what makes it special that, that, that we're finishing our feud that way? It's commonplace. It that's just it. Yeah, yeah it, it becomes commonplace. It, and it, it it ruins the art of wrestling. It ruins the kayfabe of wrestling. Because and, and it's hard. And, and that's it, something that. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Good. Go ahead, bro. I was just going to say because the, the, the true, the true, the true art of pro wrestling is that it's in it, its core, it's supposed to be a sport. Whether you want to argue the point of whether it's a legitimate sport or whatever, it's supposed to be perceived as a sport. So to get true violence into what's supposed to be a competitive sport, it should be saved for the ending of a story, not throughout the story itself. Go ahead. I'm and that's sorry. one of the reasons what uh, go on, I'll I'll let Rudder speak. Yeah. <laughs> no, bro, go ahead. See, that that's something that actually really pisses me off about WWE because they once upon a time when I first started watching it in the mid two thousands, they did all those things. They used the big matches to finish off a goddamn rivalry and they let that be. Now they've got what, four pay per views? For these big matches, Hell in a Cell, Elimination Chamber, Extreme Rules. And oh, there's actually 13 pay-per-views. Yeah. And it's like, okay, guys, you're taking the grandness of these matches and watering them down so terribly that it's like watching just another match. And they're not even utilizing these matches to their full ability. Yeah, the original vision of WrestleMania and Clash of the Champions. Those are the two granddaddies of pay-per-views. That was the W or WCW uh, or NWA's version of uh, WrestleMania was Clash of the Champions. Mm -hmm. The purpose of that through the 80s and up until like 1991, the purpose of those two shows was exclusively to finish feuds. You were gonna you were gonna showcase your best matches, your best workers, and they were gonna that was that was where you're gonna settle the score at. Those two, those two uh, pay-per-views. That was the vision of both of those, and then they to one up each other. And because of box office, uh, box office, and because of money, they added a pay-per-view here, added a pay-per-view there, and then you go through the '90s and the Attitude Area. Whenever uh, Vince gobble, gobbles up a WCW, now, now you have all of these pay-per-views that have to be paid homage to to an extent. So you have 13 pay-per-views just with the WWE. That doesn't include AEW and uh, Ring of Honor's three pay-per-views a year. Um, you know, I mean, there's like 20-some-odd pay-per-views a year now with major wrestling. And it used to be only one to settle all scores. That's what That was the original point of WrestleMania. That's what Vince's original version was. And he, he got away from that so goddamn quickly, it was crazy, because he was trying to out-compete Jim Crockett and, yep. and Ted Turner. I will tell you what's majorly missing within the WWE, but within mainstream wrestling in general. And it was beneficial to independent circuit guys as well as the, uh, the, the, the top tier superstars. 
they used to have shows on Saturday Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings called WWE or WWF Challenge and WWF Superstars, and all it was was the was the main uh, mainstay wrestlers talent taking on independent circuit guys who would go out and job. They got exposure. Your big guys got built up, and you were able to promote your story with with stick work with, with promo work for an hour. It benefited everybody, and it made room in the major shows like Raw, like SmackDown, like the pay-per-views for just wrestling. It's time to shut up and do the work. Mm. I think that's especially a lost art. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, nobody can really work a match without 15 minutes of fucking mic time anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's just it. You get 15 minutes of fucking mic time for a five-minute match. If that or a run the, match, the, ma- or, the, ma- yeah. the matches nowadays are so short, it's like okay, you're spending all this time trying to hype up a story, and I get that you need to do that, but for God's sake, this is supposed to be wrestling. Let's see some fucking wrestling. No, your abs- was the worst. You're absolutely right. Of that they went through. Uh, they went through that about three to five year period of time. We're on. A two-hour edition of of Raw, they literally only had twenty-three minutes of wrestling on one episode. Exactly in two hours. Oh my god! And, and it worked awful. like that for like three to five years. And here, here's Ooh. here's the thing that I don't think Vince is fully grasping. How did they not lose their fan base? Oh, they have been. For, for well, because the- of kids, you never lose your fan base if you keep kids involved. Uh-huh. Very true. Exactly. But kids it's like, money Those are the ones that I'm getting the t-shirts. But like, mom, I want a t-shirt. Do, do you guys? Do, do you guys remember when Vince decided to make WWE Raw go from a two-night sh- or a two-hour show to a three-hour show? Yep. First or second time? The, <laughs> first time was a hellhole to begin with, but second time as well. But. I think at that point, that's the point where Vince completely just lost it. Because two hours, perfect amount of time. You were able to run your promos, you got your action in, everyone went home happy. Three hours, by hour three, people are already flipping the channel trying to watch something else because they are so sick of it. Yeah, he's trying to have a pay-per-view every week, basically, with content. Yeah, yeah. I still stand firm with the independent circuit, and especially with today's modern age. Uh, every every independent circuit has a YouTube channel or, or a, a, a website or something like that. Let's stick work beyond there. And just give us the fucking matches when we pay to come to the show. And if I, I'm saying that to the independent circuit because the WWE I go back and, and AEW, I go back to what I said before. Have the bullshit shows again where WWF star, uh, star, WWE stars take on independent circuit guys and just beat the fuck out of them. There's your, there's your format to be able to say, hey, Steve Austin, you see what I just did to this nobody? I'm going to be doing that to you this Sunday. There's your fucking stick and promo time. Now, Sunday comes, give me eight solid matches and everybody shut the fuck up. Deal. Georgia wrestling used to be, and that's what WWE was through the Attitude Era, to an extent. Like they were doing a whole lot more mic time, but they had so many personalities, they had to do it. 
But, you know, like old Georgia wrestling or old Mid-South wrestling or Memphis wrestling or the old Mid-Atlantic days, like that's exactly what you got. On Saturday morning, you turned it on and you got to see your favorite wrestler beat up a scrub for five minutes and then come on and talk shit to Ole or, and Ar- Arn Anderson or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's gone completely bye-bye since like 98, 99, whenever like Stone Cold did the first the first turn to becoming heel after he came back, whenever he first started doing that and doing the what and all that other stuff, it became a mic show entirely. And like, even to an extent now, if you listen to him on his podcast, like Stone Cold to talk about, like, you know, he really regrets doing that because it really turned a new leaf in the pro wrestling uh, uh, industry that everybody was more caught up in getting their mic time and being good on the mic than actually being a good hand in the ring, which is how he came up. He was awarded the mic time, so he took advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Because of what he did, everybody thought they should come in the door getting mic time. And that's what they've done now for the past 15 years. These new guys come in, you haven't even seen them wrestle a match. They got a 10-minute intro video, and they come in doing mic time every fucking week for like three months before you ever see them wrestle. And it's backwards. It should be the other way around. Well, you, you know it. You know it's funny when everybody, anybody, always points to Steve Austin, and of course they talk. When they point at Steve Austin, they automatically point at the uh, Stone Cold era. You know, and I, I, I got nothing against Stone Cold. I don't have an issue with with Steve Austin in general, but his true performances was when he left WCW for ECW, the end of the Hollywood Blonde era. Oh shit! You talk about when he was a straight bald, and he was like, he still had a little bit of blonde hair, or whatever. He was promos and shit in ECW. Yeah, where he was, where yeah, he was he acting like he was Hulk Hogan and shit like that. Like he was, he, there was some fucking gold in that personality. Yeah, he really uncovered his character at that point in time because Paul Heyman took the risk. He was like, "I'm going to stick it to Bischoff any way I can," and him and Steve knew each other. But he was like, "Fuck it, Steve. You get five minutes every week." which turned into 10, but here's the microphone. Just fucking go off because Steve couldn't wrestle because of his knee. He had ju- he just had surgery. Mm-hmm. So, so Paul Heyman was like, fuck it. Here's your mic. And he actually, I mean, he that's how he became Stone Cold later was because of those interviews that Paul Heyman let him do. He uncovered a, a true character with that, just being himself. Mm-hmm. But, but they I'm were. Online, the fact that he like, counters what is, um, what is like shit talking was amazing. I mean, if it wasn't for him doing them promos at ACW, we probably would have never got the... It was like, oh, you want to bring up John 316? Well, Austin 316, what's your ass? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stone Cold Cold was, was, again, something... If Stone Cold, if the character Stone Cold came out today, I don't think it would be as popular. No. But it came out at the right time. Right at the beginning of the Attitude so, yeah, Era, double... the ending of the comic ahead, book, bro, the, the the ending of the comic book wrestler, the beginning of the Attitude Era, it was the right opportunity at the right time. Yeah, they needed an anti-hero. People were in you, like you're bond. The, the anti-hero part uh, point is definitely a big thing, but what you're talking about is a double-edged sword because with Stone Cold, there can never be another character who comes out and does the same thing ever oh exactly You're never gonna be able to do that again like you said Chris. but if there wasn't a stone code if a new guy was to drop in and we never had stone code before it would be just as effective i think you think because so? anytime 
the blue collar man gets to see another blue collar guy stick it to the man and beat up his fucking boss, we all pop. Yeah. Right, but I'm I'm talking the persona. I, I'm talking like let's let's if just you let's never just use saw it again. If you never saw it before and it got dropped in fresh, 100% brand new, you never saw it. Stone Cold never existed. You would pop now just like you did then. It would actually be a rebirth of another WWE uh, Attitude Era. Which I needs, promise you. Which desperately needs to really happen. <laughs> Thank you. It, that character really gravitates with a lot of people. It really resonates. Like that's as true of a character as there's ever been. All right, well, let's get everybody else's opinion on that. Do you think? Oh, yeah, do you think uh, if Stone Cold never existed and he popped up into and 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 the character like Stone Cold's popped into the uh, WWE tonight, would it have the same impact that Steve Austin did when he brought out the character? That's the question, everybody else. We got Steve. We got we got a uh, yes, yeah, Steve. We got Chris. In my opinion, let's get everybody else. I'm abstaining. I I never I never watched any of the stuff you're talking about, so I'm abstaining. All right, fair enough. You know who Stone Cold is, right? No, I, I, sorry, no, I never followed wrestling. She, she, she just got introduced to wrestling okay. a couple of months ago, so a lot of what we've. I'm been just talking sitting about, here quiet for a reason. She, she, That's okay. You guys are having fun. Enjoy it. Hey, yo, Chris, I got a question for you. Well, let's finish my question. Let's finish the question, the round table around the question. Let UA answer, and then you can ask me the question. Do, do, do you mind if I answer the first question that I didn't get to answer first? Sure. Get get, get your mic time answer. while you got it. <laughs> Yay! Hey, you got uh, the stick. Man. It's a promo. Absolutely. A absolutely. Six mans, absolutely. Put them back in the independent. Keep them running hard in the independent. Bring them up to the big leagues. Absolutely. The problem with that that I see, though, is I, you have to be able to hit, this, hit the spot on that very, very carefully because if you have someone like Vince McMahon still running the reign, I don't think that it's going to work as well purely because of the fact that – how do I put this? Vince is a dumbass, and he likes to keep stuff the way that he's been keeping it for the last 20-plus years. That's the, and, I, I'll disagree with you on Vince being a dumbass. Vince is a maniacal genius that made pro wrestling mainstream. I will never yes. take that away from him. However, his mindset is more entertainment than the sport of wrestling. That's why I think the six-man idea would work better, as Rudder said, in AWA, uh, AWE and, and uh, Impact as opposed to WWE. Okay, I apologize. I agree with you on that. That that's the way I should have phrased that. Um, teams like the Wyatt family, like the Shield, like New Day, they have popped for a very good reason. And if they had, I, I agree with what everyone had said earlier. If they had actually ran those teams as a proper three-man team. Instead of two people being a tag team and one person being a singles person, but they're all a cohesive unit, I think that we could have easily had a brand new line of tag team competition throughout WWE easy. No questions asked. Going to the other question that you just presented, what was it again? Uh, Stone Cold. If Stone Cold were to come out today instead Which of... Stone Cold the Stone Cold persona Instead of twenty years ago, right? Would the Stone Cold persona uh, have just as much impact today 
if it came out today instead of 20 plus years ago? I would say no. I would say yes. I would say 100% yes. If you did not have the Stone Cold persona during the mid-90s, come out when he did, nobody ever did the concept of the blue-collar blue-collar worker going up to the boss, saying, screw you, threw up the middle finger, and slugged him across the face in front of 10,000 fans. I think that that pop would be just as strong today, if not stronger. All right, fair enough. I guess I stand Ooh. alone on that thought. What? I, I just think that, you know, for someone who's been in the business, you know, like you and I have, and, and you had a much longer career than I did. I was a horrible hand. I was a horrible worker. We've talked about this before on another episode. That's the reason I was able to really shine in the hook and shoots and actually fight because I was just such a horrible hand in the ring. But the fact that we're so jaded by being behind the curtain, I think is what's kind of clouding your vision on this. If we wouldn't have seen that, and been a part of it or been able to ride any of that wave if that never existed before if the only if the only main headliner bad guy was rick flair that you and i knew which was all it was before stone cold was rick flair and hulk hogan that's all you knew is the main headliners before stone cold if you erase him from your memory completely 100 percent eradicate him from existence and drop him in now fresh day one turning from the ringmaster to Stone Cold, it would be phenomenal, especially with fucking Trump in office. You're talking about some dude fucking coming up and flipping off the authority now? It would be, it would probably be magnified. It, it would probably be even bigger, like UA said, than it right. was back then. All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll concede and that a, I'll concede that a little bit because I'm still envisioning like wrestling still evolved the way it evolved, even if Stone Cold never pulled out the 316 at at King of the Ring. Uh, so, which makes it better because you're talking about an old school throwback. What are we talking about right now? With the, what's wrong with pro wrestling? All the high spots. Stone Cold never did high spots. True. So you're talking about a real throwback guy coming in, being, you know, the fucking. Uh, uh, whatever, whatever is called to the earth, and flipping off Vince McMahon right now, Jesus, but, everybody would lose their minds. But it, it, but you when, when you mentioning with Trump, when you mentioning with Trump, where the fuck is the next Bob Backlund gimmick? We need another. We need another over the top Republican gimmick, and I don't mean like Trump supporter. I mean like Backlund losing his mind and deciding he's going to run for president, like he did during the Bush administration gimmick. What about We the People? I liked We the People. I very I much liked We the People. It was actually a very good faction. It cracked me the fuck up. <laughs> I, I think um, there's actually there is a rendition of that going on right now. Unfortunately, Kobe Covington. That guy was. Uh... I think I'm losing people. I don't hear anything. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. I lost, I, I lost him too. I hear everybody else fine, so it might have been him on his end. Yeah, I think we lost well, Rudder. Rudder's gone. Bye, Rudder. I don't know, but sitting here having this conversation, I'm starting to realize uh, maybe there's a place in Realm of the Mist for a wrestling podcast. 
<laughs> Dude, I would I would be on that every time. But we're gonna have to make sure we put a fucking limit, man. We'll be talking for like six hours of podcast. Well, this is this is a live sh- this is a live show. That's why I don't care. But normally there is a limit on shows. I was gonna say we need a goddamn timer if we're gonna make a podcast out of this. Okay. <laughs> when it comes down to it, the anthem is not gonna be on here more than five hours. He's back. I know. In the, middle of a rant. in the middle of a ram, my internet decided to drop. I'm sorry. That's but, quite all right. right? <laughs> <laughs> but every time he's on the card, the past three cards that he's been on, most specifically the last one, whenever he comes out there in that $3 cheap-ass suit carrying Donald Trump Jr.'s book and wearing the MAGA hat, everybody lost their fucking minds. So I think there is a rendition of that going on, and, and Vince always follows the trends. He's gonna He sees that going on. I'm sure there's a character in development that's going to come out and be that guy. Well, this is type of caricature. Yeah. An over-the-top caricature like Bob Backlund was. I mean, Daniel Bryan kind of did it with the over, like, zealous liberals. But there's not enough people who buy into the eco-warrior thing. Politics is so divisive. Wood Belt had me cracking the fuck up. I'm sorry, the Wood Belt was genius. <laughs> yeah, that was a great move, definitely. That was fucking amazing. Hell, I wish I could have a replica of that fucking belt. The belt only existed for what, like seven months, and it's like one of the most memorable belts of the past twenty five years. God, it's so ugly. It, can we can so we talk about the three most memorable title uh, unofficial titles? Unofficial titles, okay. Okay. Un- un- unofficial. Uh, well, the wood title, obviously, would be okay. one of them. I would, I would argue. Actual straps or titles? Actual, actual straps slash titles. Some okay. may, have, may have later became recognized, but when they first came into being, they were not recognized. They were, they okay. were for lack of a better term, they were garbage or they were just a gimmick. The wood title, I would mm-hmm. argue the point of the million-dollar belt. Okay. I wish I could have that one too. And the original, the original uh, release of the WWE Hardcore title, which was just the WW, old WWE title that was using the gimmick of being broken apart with a hammer. Can, and then they just can, put a whole bunch of stickers. And they put a whole bunch of tape on it to say Hardcore title. Yeah. <laughs> Sutter. greatness, so I go see your life. But what about, oh, you know what? I gotta realize that the Ultimate uh, Warrior rendition of the Intercontinental Title. Oh, uh, the white, st- the white strap. The white strap, the the pink one, the yellow one. <laughs> he had multiple colors in them bitches. I don't know how he was able to buy them shits every fucking month. He would have like a new color. Chris, can I can I make a appeal for one other title being added to that list? Sure. What's that? The Smoking Skull title. Oh, awesome Smoking Skull title. Yes. I guess, oh, that's, a, that's a rendition of the strap, right? So, yeah. Like, I, I was thinking of something else. Okay, so if we we're talking in that vein, okay, I got you. Oh, wait a minute. What about the theme title that was like 4500 bucks on WWE.com? Oh, my God. That thing was just insane. It looked fucking cool, but I'm not paying $4,500 for a replica. Yeah. I mean, I know the artist. The artist is really good. So, I mean, it is worth that much because of the artist who did it. 
Well, here's the thing with that. Here's the thing with that title, specifically that title. I've got someone who could probably look at that, come up with the the concept for it, and make something similar to that for me for a fraction of the cost. And her name is Dusty. Just let her do. Just let her do plasti dip work, and I guarantee you, she's gonna make it look just like that. Maybe a little bit better for a fraction of the cost. Yeah, I could. Mm, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> so, uh, um, I thought we were talking about like actual made-up titles, not the uh, versions of any of the straps. Um, uh, I go with the Smoking Skull. That was a great like uh, variation of the of the world title belt. Um, that would or uh, whatever the Rock had the Brahma Bull one. That's another version of it. Oh God, I forgot about the Brahma Bull one. Um, but Points will be taken away if anybody mentions the fucking spinny belt, though. <laughs> yeah, I, if, I want the spinner belt. If, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about a true made up title, um, going back to the 1980s, whenever Kerry Von Erich was chasing after Ric Flair. Fritz von Erich, who owned the, the WCCW at the time, World Class Championship Wrestling out of Dallas, Texas, came up with the Texas Heavyweight World Title, which was the biggest bogus piece of shit just to make it look like Flair <laughs> was like gaining this double championship whenever Kerry von Erich was chasing him. Uh, that was that would be my vote for, like, the biggest made-up title ever. Like, uh, Fritz Von Erich was like, I got a title for my boy, and my boy ain't gonna lose it to nobody. You can't come to Texas and fucking take this belt from no Von Erich, and here it is, and it's this big fucking plastic piece of shit that he puts on fucking Kerry Von Erich, and uh, uh, it, it went away very quickly. Like, it was only in the in the circuit magazines for, like, two months. Like, they didn't even keep taking pictures with it. It was so bad. But it was definitely a very made-up title to make him uh, look like a very big front-runner for Ric Flair. <laughs> okay, let's, talk titles. let's talk about the fact that the fucking 24-7 title looks like a fucking gold Mario coin. Thank you. Yes. You know, uh, Rob Gronkowski having the 24-7 right now is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I still think the greatest 24-7 champion is our truth because yes. he did from... Pinning motherfuckers on planes and shit was just genius. It was very entertaining. He's made two years. He's made a two-year extension on his career because of that belt. Absolutely, and that Our if anything, that gave a nice shit. little injection into WWE. Our truth is comedy gold, man. He's fucking good, awesome. Good God, yeah. <laughs> Everything I he says is funny. European champion in the world. What? <laughs> hey yo, y'all remember that uh, Royal Rumble where his crazy ass came out, pulled the ladder up, picked the fucking ladder up, and set up yes, the ladder? Yes, I just rewatched that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that was good. I cried. I ain't gonna even sit here and fucking lie. It was that fucking hold, hold on, I'll one up you, and it's not our truth. Does anyone remember the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia where Titus O'Neil runs out to the ring, trips, and goes under the rain? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the commentators couldn't even stay on point anymore because they were laughing so hard. And it, oh, it's so bad because he was a planned. He was planned to be in the final three for the finish. But he fucked it up on the entry so bad they didn't even let him go. He had a false finish in that match just to get him out of the ring because everyone was laughing the whole time he was there. 
he was supposed to be one of the final three whenever you're doing the throwout, and uh, that was part of the plan. But uh, it quickly got scrapped because he fucked up the entry so bad. <laughs> well, let's and not... yet it's something that we can talk about for years to come. Well, let's not forget. Let's not forget uh, Luke uh, Luke Butch from the Bushwhackers and his shortest uh, his shortest reign reign for a while. His shortest uh, shortest entrance into uh, Royal Rumble. Where he was uh, running to the ring and he was supposed to come into the ring and come bulldozing and clothesline. I forget who it was. And that person legitimately tripped and fell down. And when he tripped and fell down, Luke came with so much force, he threw himself over the top rope. <laughs> threw himself out. Oh, yeah. my. That would have been fun to watch. <laughs> I forget. It was it was early 90s, early to mid-90s that he did that. But he was uh, in and out in like eight I'm seconds. It was, it was I'm thinking it was Tito Santana that it he might did have that been. With. Yeah. Wait the the guy from the Bushwhackers. Yeah. Yeah. They, they both I look alike. Correctly, it was. I, I think it was actually Hogan who eliminated him. No, I that wasn't. One? I don't know. I don't think it was I, Hogan. <laughs> no, I, I could be wrong. I don't. I don't remember Hogan actually being in any of the Rumbles. So we all got to remember before Santino Morella, there was the Warlord. Oh, never mind. I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking Bushwhacker. I was thinking Warlord. I'm sorry. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. His ass got clothes on so fast. <laughs> yep. Hey, yo, and, you want to know what my, one of my favorite broken character moments was? It was when The Rock went against, um, I forget if it was Goldberg or Brock Lesnar, beat his ass in like two minutes and 30 seconds. He was like, I have never... The Rock has never gotten his ass whooped so fast in his goddamn life. So that was whenever uh, they put uh, uh, Lesnar over because that was right after Stone Cold took his ball and went home. He didn't want to do the Georgia Dome match with Brock, so they put in uh, The Rock uh, <laughs> on that following like Monday Night Raw or whatever. They mm -hmm. used that to put him over. Because Lesnar was like a big deal, but he hadn't actually seen anybody yet. And he was supposed to do that main event with uh, Stone Cold, but Stone Cold bailed on it. And uh, yeah, they did that with The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> God. So, you, talk uh, about, you talk about broken gimmicks. All, all that ever runs to my mind is, is my own fucking character break. Uh, was uh, I was a heel at the time, and I was taking on a guy named Mr. 2020 Blind Mike in Fort Collins, Colorado. And uh, I fucking opened his head up with a chair shot for for the finish right and i mean he he's on the ground bleeding and he's understand mike is legitimately blind he can only see 20 percent of his peripheral vision he sees shadows out of the corner of his eyes but he's still an, an independent professional wrestler right i loved working with mike uh but at the time i have him beat up on the ground, and I'm supposed to be the arrogant fuck. I grab the stick, and I'm yelling about how I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, and blah, 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 and I'm coming up to him, and I know I gotta hurry this up, because Mike's fucking bleeding out on the fucking mat, right? And so I come up to him, and I grab him, I try to wake him up, and he's he's playing it, he's uh, type deal, and I'm like, fucking, I want you to tell everybody that I'm the greatest wrestler that's ever existed, and he, you know, uh, I fucking smack him, and right into the mic, and I mean, there's no hiding this, right into the mic, I turn around and I yell, look at me when I'm talking to you, and, and then I stop, yes, I stop, and I look at the crowd, 
and I look at Mike, and I look at the crowd, and I look at Mike, and you hear me in the microphone. I just told a blind guy to look at me. That's and awesome. you know, you know how lost it was. You know how lost it was. Mike's face down, right? Doing doing the hiding his face. He's face down, laying on his stomach, and all you see is his shoulders shaking because he's laughing his ass off. <laughs> <laughs> Character gone. <laughs> oh my god. That is good. So, uh, Runner. Yeah, man. Re- re- real quickly, as we were talking about other topics, I actually went on Google real quickly to do a quick confirmation. Warlord was eliminated by Hulk Hogan in the 1989 Royal Rumble. 89. Okay. 89. Right. So one of the, one you, of the first yeah. ones. Okay, so that has to be like the only Rumble Hogan was in. Yes, I believe so. Okay, all right. Yeah, because usually then, he was course, a champion at the time. <laughs> and then, and then of course, we, we have Anthony's mention of Santino Morella for one and a half seconds back in 2009. And he was eliminated by Kane. And he got a big pop for that one and a half seconds. Oh, good God, yes. He was like, oh, no, I want to start again. Let me do it again. <laughs> I like that character. I, I do like that gimmick. But then again, I... Do you like Santino? Do you like Santino or do you like Santina? Oh, that was funny, too. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where he played his twin sister. I actually, got, I've actually saw that. Did you really? Yeah. I'm so sorry. One of my friends played that video. Actually, it was Patches. Played that video last time it was over to show me how wrestling can be bad. But is it it really bad? Like, wrestling can be bad. Like, you know, Mae Young giving birth to a hand. That's bad. But, like, you know, shitty shitty funny gimmicks. You know, fucking, uh, uh. Like uh, like Eugene or or the pirate gimmick that was going on for a while or the goon, those things are comedy gold at times, man. That, that's the not a, the hurricane, dude. Shane Golden oh. owned that fucking gimmick, dude. He fucking he he or not Shane Golden, uh, Shane Helms. Shane Helms. Yeah, Shane Helms. He fucking owned that gimmick. You can't take that away from him. No, <laughs> the hurricane, sir. fucking, he's the shit. But Eugene, he was actually like um, that was actually a work. Oh, I know and, it was uh, work, but I mean, it was comedy gold. Yeah, it was totally comedy gold, and they actually tried to—they tried to like reinvent doing that, uh, like organically, a couple of other times where they had this big bad, and you can't use this word anymore, so we're going to say uh, socially slow. But this big bad socially slow guy come in, who is always like loving the fans and friendly with everybody because he's so innocent. Blah blah blah, but once somebody fucking puts the heat on him, he just goes nuts and boom, it's a pile driver and it's over. Like they tried redoing that a couple different times, but oh. it never really caught on the way it did with Eugene. For some reason, that guy was just able to do that. I, I remember the I remember the wrestler that you're talking about too, but I can't remember his name. Oh, okay. Um, crap. Nah, I. I can't even do a Google search on that because it's been so long. But I, re- I remember the I remember the tag team and I remember the singles individual who came off exactly like you said. I'm not going to say the word either. And 
perfectly pacifistic. You wouldn't you wouldn't think anything of it. The second that that ring bell hit, though, oh my god, it was like watching the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Oh my God! So, oh. so Rudder, I think I think we have to agree that uh, from this has to be born a wrestling show because yeah. we just I'm spent we just we just spent like two hours discussing wrestling. I can yeah I can I can talk obscure old school fucking shit all fucking day long that'll blow a lot of people's mind. That's for sure. <laughs> Dusty, I'm so sorry. It's okay. I'm fine. I almost finished my commission. This is good. Yeah. Oh yeah, guys. That's something I need to say. Are y'all ready? Do we have to be? Yes, especially you with your ugly ass. Anyway, so first things first. I just wanted to say from the bottom of my heart, guys, I love you. Second thing is Dusty. Yeah. Save me a plate. I'm coming over. Third. Oh. Thing. <laughs> okay. Third thing, Chris. Even though me and you always seem to talk shit, just know when it comes down to it, you're the homie. But here's another thing I got to say though. It's now 2020. When are you going to get your hairline fixed? Okay. Jesus now, Christ. God. <laughs> number four. Dude, he looks like one of them socially slow people. He's going to talk about my hairline. Okay, listen here, motherfucker. <laughs> there it is. You know what? You got the George Jefferson coming in on your fucking hair. So don't be talking about George that. Jefferson? <laughs> 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 Shit. Talking about me. Good God, dude! George, Je- like you could at least go on like Archie Bunkers. George Jefferson, really? <laughs> George Jefferson didn't have a hairline. He had a Kobe cat. <laughs> oh, good God! Good grief! <laughs> now, now <laughs> fourth thing. Anthony Anthem is always number one. Okay, we're done. Thank you. I take that as Anthony's uh, way of saying it. We need to wrap this up. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. It might, I'm be, hot. it might be best now that I've got my commission as far as I can get it tonight because my hand's starting to hurt. Stop. Then, yeah, you better stop. Otherwise, I'm I decided make... to do it the length of the podcast. It's not my fault. Okay, let me put it to you this way. If if I had found out that your hand was hurting and you were still working, I'm going past the checkpoints to kick your sorry butt. <laughs> See, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. He's uh, either he's he's trying to say it's time to wrap this up. He's tired, or he's really saying to people, you know, and trying to project on me. He's trying to say to people, please send me Rogaine for Christmas. Okay, first of all, with I'm minoxidil. You're the one who look like. Alopecia decided to take over and become Appalachia on your fucking head. Don't be talking shit about me, sir. Dude, your hairline from both ends looks like it's getting eaten by your forehead and your fucking double back neck. You want to talk about me? (laughs) You ever had a a hairline since you were 21? Can I I make a petition for another podcast? Can we do Run of the Mist version of Drop the Mic 
Anthony versus Chris. <laughs> just, just, just spend a half Does hour of them slinging disses towards each other. I would die laughing. Oh, we want, we want to go dozens. Okay, yeah. Yo, ma <laughs> yo, mama's so fat. <laughs> We're gonna do the dozens. No mamas, man. No mamas. If we and Chris had a right. podcast, we would be so banned from podcasting ever again. Yeah, right. <laughs> We would talk so much shit, it would just get really bad. We would just say some of the worst shit to each other. <laughs> I could just see it. Me and you on a podcast every fucking week. Can you imagine that, Chris? Oh, trust me. I, I've got no problem with it. Man, you you got to remember. I, mean, I ain't they... got no problem with it, too. But we don't get fucking banned. That's what the fuck going to happen. They're going to be like, we got to cancel this shit. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta remember, it used to be my job to piss people off. <laughs> All I know is I have to get going or I'm going to explode. My bladder has been telling me I need to go. All right. I think it's I time mean, to wrap up then. Girl, when I talk sometimes, that's what happens. Girl, CP when they see me. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> no, it's called How Many Hours Has This Been? I, and I've been I, drinking water? I, I'm gonna steal Zeph's finisher. And on that note... There you go. <laughs> Why don't you guys tell everybody where they can find you and get a hold of you and, and send you that send Anthem that row game. Dustin, okay. go first so you can go I to the bathroom. Good idea. Game. So, <laughs> motherfucking, I look like I got a patchy garden growing on top of my head looking like the fucking desert of Arizona and shit. Dude, if you if you grabbed your dick and set it next to your head when you put when you bang your head down, it would look like a butt. Okay? Don't talk to me. Okay, first of all... Can I, can I say goodbye and let yes. you guys keep going? Yes, go, please. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> all right. I'm Dusty from The Sock Drawer. You can find us on Facebook at The Sock Drawer, uh, Twitter at The Sock Drawer SD, and any place that the realm of the mist people that I'm probably never going to talk to again. Uh, <laughs> you upload say that every time. It gets worse, though, guys. Oh. You love it. <laughs> Be the token female, I tell you. But anyway, next person, and I'm going to disconnect. Uh, you got UA Blackwings here. You can find me as a co-host on Press A Gaming, a guest star on this show, After Hours, occasionally on The Sock Drawer. You can find me on Facebook and YouTube under the handle Joshua Joshua Wilson. I'm also on Twitch and Twitter under the handles Blackwings Roman numeral 13. That's X-I-I-I. And you can also find me on PlayStation under the same handle, Blackwings Roman numeral 13. Oh. Anthem. Oh, it's me? Okay, so you can find me at um, Delivery Bros Podcast on Instagram, Delivery Bros Pod on Twitter. You can also find me on Delivery Bros on Facebook as well. And also, if you want to find uh, Chris Razormouth Stoli, you can find him on his OnlyFans, um, footfetishfreaks.com. Um, I put it in the code um, IDI. Jesus. Can I can I wake up the rebuttal now? That took forever. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> the only reason I'm second around. I want to hear what your rebuttal is. Oh, well, guys, uh, you can find me wherever Realm of the Mist Entertainment can be found right here on YouTube. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button, like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts like Press A Gaming. And it had to be said with Venus and the Sock Drawer. Definitely not the fucking Delivery Brothers uh, right here on this channel. And okay, first of all, if you're on a couple episodes, you fuck. <laughs> see i love i love fucking uh fucking with anthem because he gets so mad uh of course of course uh you can go to our sister channel sounds dicey gaming for all your tabletop and uh, uh video game let's plays and if you prefer your podcast in audio only format don't worry we got you covered just look for realm of the mist entertainment on anchor.fm apple itunes spotify pandora or wherever quality podcasts can be heard now when this pandemic is over with i'm gonna go shave a pomeranian hand it to anthony and make him look like fucking uh a black donald trump he's gonna be good to go <laughs> First of all, what the fuck does that even mean? Second of all, what are you doing with a Pomeranian? I'm never putting a dog in your ass ever again. <laughs> Runner, Runner, do your outro so we can go. Talk about me. All right, go check it out. Uh, uh, we host the What's Your Effing Binge podcast. It's available on Spotify and every other place that you can find a good quality podcast, including iTunes. LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, what we do is we talk about people's uh, binging habits, what you're currently binge-watching on TV, and in this current time, that's a really big topic. Everybody's asking for something to watch, and we got the next one for you, so look at us on uh, Facebook and uh, check it out. Excellent. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you on the next Surviving the Storm. Have a good night.